Welcome to the Metalist, where we discuss our top five personal favorites. Yeah. Is that what you want to call it? We can all things metal, all things distorted guitars. If you dig it, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Don't forget, rate and review, like and subscribe, give us a follow, maybe give us a share. Now, you know what time it is? What time is it? I'm ready for some fucking God Hammered. The metal David D'Lo Lopez and Jason Smith. This is The Metalist. Hi, and thanks for joining us whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this Metalist podcast. Dave. Jason. And today. Yeah, okay. I was going to try for a little more dramatic entrance, but yeah, sure. (laughs) Joining us once again. What are you in in our in our estimation, the Maven of Metalcore or something like that? Uh, no, it was the uh, our, Jason. Jason said the Maharaja of Metalcore. I, but yeah, I, I kind of like Metalcore yeah. Maharaja. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of doing a different M word every time, but we could figure that out. Anyways, the M word of metal, dude. Joining the Mermaid of Metalcore. <laughs> <laughs> the Mufasa of Metalcore. Ooh. That yeah. means I die early. Fuck yeah. Yeah, but you get to live in the clouds and sound like, uh, what's his face? CNN. James, James Earl Jones. Yeah, Starth Vader. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. CNN? Yeah. He, back in the day, he was the, this is CNN voice. Oh, wow. Really? Totally yeah. forgot about that. Way back in the day. Like, I shouldn't remember it, but I do. Like, because you remember everything. Yeah, but I was also like a really, 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 really little kid when that was still a thing. That, that wasn't Did- a thing for years. Does this make you the memory of metalcore? I'll take it, dude. <laughs> it's only it's only stuff that happened in the 2000s and like the first half of the last decade. It's getting a little shaky here and there, but I'll take that. There's nothing Man. really good to remember right now. So today, we are discussing a band that's very near and dear to very particular fans' hearts. We're talking about from Whitby, Ontario, wherever that is. Ontario is a very big profit, or province, so... Yeah, we are talking about Protest the Hero. Alex, yes, are the guest. Yes, as always, it's up to you to start. What was your first exposure to Protest the Hero? Um, well, so we have a reoccurring theme with a lot of uh, my episodes and my exposures to the bands that I'm on, and that is uh, the good old trusty music choice channel. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. And it was right as they were doing promotions for their first album, uh, Kaziah. And the song that I heard, I, I can actually, normally my songs are on my top five, but actually for this band, it is not. So I can spoil this one. The song I heard was No Stars Over Bethlehem. Mm, okay. And at first I was like, what the fuck is this? Because I was so gung ho on... Kill switch and soil work and just like your more 
typical um, harsh, harsh vocals, uh, clean vocals, just like straight forward metal. And then protest was like with this whiny kind of voice and these crazy off tempo, syncopated, insane riffs. And I'm at first it, like I was like, eh, not too keen on this. Uh, but then it just started growing on me and growing on me and growing on me. And now they're in my top 10 metal bands of all time. So. <laughs> wow. There you go. Fucking A, man. Top 10? Top 10. So, okay, so preface, the people that love this band fucking love this band. Yes. Die hard, dude. Yes. I, I, there, here's the thing, man. Because we kind of did this on such a short-ish notice. I was like, oh, Alec, well, you're the one that was like, can we do protest the hero? I was like, yeah, of course. We got we to gotta fill the Canadian quota for the uh, month. And then after the fact, I was like, oh, shit, you know who else would have loved to do this? Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy. Well, okay, so I tried messaging him this morning. We'll get, we'll talk, you and I will talk later. He's in the middle of something right now. Um, but like even him, he only goes to like, I, that's what I was trying to figure out where his stopping point was because I think it's Fortress. But he loves yes. Fortress and he loves the k word because i'm not is it kazia kazia it's, it's kazia okay um they even stayed throughout the album kazia oh yeah yeah i didn't think of that but um jason from one inch punch is a big protest guy um esty fucking is raving about especially the new album oh my god yeah well we're gonna get into that yeah yeah we're um <laughs> like like we have a like like and there's probably more I'm just not thinking of right now, but like there's other dudes that would have probably liked to get on this, but for time wise, and just cause like there's a lot of ground to cover. It's probably good that it's just the three of us. Um, but like the dudes that love this band fucking love it. Dude. They, they asked for $125,000 for the crowdfunding on their third album. And they got like almost three times that much. Like, like yeah, th- these they, guys have got, it was just shy of 400,000. Yeah, these guys have a die-hard fan base. Um, and they admit that they're also a polarizing band. Like like I think more so than more so before than now. Like like it, there's it's been 15 years since that first album, so it's just like you know if you don't like them and they're not for you or not by now. But like you know the initial shock of what the fuck is this kind of and we'll get into that. Speaking in which, uh, my first exposure, ah shit, Jose, Jose loved because uh, I, uh, he, and, you know, Steve back in the day. Sorry, I'm just thinking more people that were like, oh, yeah, there's, they have a fan base, man. Um, my first exposure was I, I heard about these guys just through word of mouth through different publications. And I think it was, um, shit, man, was it even, it wasn't Sirius XM in 2006, right? It would have either, it would have been still Sirius and XM. So whatever, I don't even remember what the channel names were, but the metal channel on XM was talking a lot about, oh, you guys got to check out this band, Protest the Hero. So I, I didn't hear a note, and I kind of, I don't know if I kept it that way on purpose or not. First time I'm going to Warp Tour, 2006. It's me, Steve, Jimmy, uh, Richard. You remember Richard, Alex? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe some other people. And, um, and it's like early morning, so nobody's really on on yet. And... Um, and then it's just like, oh, that Protest the Hero band's on, man. We should go check it out. I, I've heard lots of great things about them. And then they start playing, and I'm just like, oh, well, this is interesting. This is cool, but it's it's, it's very different than what I thought. And you didn't you didn't <laughs> fucking see them, Alex. These they were 
11, 12 even on the goofy factor. Like he was throwing in all these weird goofy wow things in the in the vocals and stuff. Like like I, I guess they they it was one of those things that they said they always wanted to cross off the list because like I think the illusion's kind of shattered now, especially that it's over. But like, you know, Warp Tour back in the day, oh, that would be cool to play Warp Tour. It's a rite of passage. Um and apparently once they finally did it, they were like, Oh yeah, we wanted to when we were kids. This kind of this is not for us. Yeah, they did not like that shit. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, that's the only one they ever did. Uh, what am I, but like, and the, but just the stage banner, the shit talk from Rhodey, dude. Like the Rhodey oh, yeah. is, it's it's like we talked about with Strapping Young Lad last week. He's he's like sort of a character version of himself, but I kind of believe that he's at least a little like that even behind closed doors as well. You know what I mean? Whereas oh, yes. Devin Townsend's actually very docile, very uh, soft-spoken, serious guy. This, this guy I feel could be a little, a little goofy. Um, my favorite anecdote was Paramore was on, on the tour as well. And this is before they became multi-million record-selling Paramore, playing either right before or after them. Only time I ever saw them. And, um, and I'm trying to remember what exactly he said. He's, he said, yeah, because of my vocals, I'm going to, doing a lot of goofy affectations because yeah so oh yep. yeah because of my vocals everybody everybody keeps confusing me with the girl from paramore so to keep, uh, avoid further confusion i shaved my armpits and fucking <laughs> steve died <laughs> oh that was that was great well, i mean we all died but that especially got to steve and just like that's the kind of shit he would say he wrote is a very 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 eccentric fellow yep. um from there it was out by now, right? Or maybe it came out the same year, 2000. Because I read, because uh, I uh, was out in Canada forever, but they didn't get distribution outside for a while. So, shit. I wonder if I bought the I bought the album there, dude. Because they were doing back when things were a little looser. They were all, hey, and by the way, here's the CD, and we'll sell it to you for five bucks, like right off the stage. And we did that, and I think we probably listened to it on the way home. And then from there, you know. We've seen him live. Um, we haven't seen him in a while, but you know we've we've had some good times here and there. Um, so now, Jason, you didn't hear this band till like a week and change ago, correct? Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> what was your first exposure, yeah, Jason? <laughs> exactly. Actually, my, I mean, the first time I heard of them was back when the first album came out. They were they were it was explained to me that they were. Kind of like a more technical, a more technical, less alternative version of uh, uh, System of a Down. That's, hmm. and I think listening to that Kazaya album, I, 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 I guess I kind of get it, but not really. Like I, I feel like whoever explained that, and it was, it wasn't a friend or anything. It was, uh, I think it was like Revolver Magazine or something. One oh, of yeah. the magazines. Yeah, I just I think they were trying to make it as easy as possible yeah. to explain this band. But yeah. I don't think that's quite right. There is a specific thing that they do that reminds me of System of a Down. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think I may have heard maybe one song. I don't even know it was a full song. And I've never listened to him since. In fact, I have not heard this band's name be brought up until last week. <laughs> there you go not one person i know at least when i'm around has ever mentioned this fucking band ever 
And granted, back then, I knew quite a few people that would, you know, bring them up here and there. It was like this one and sixth. <laughs> so okay, let me yeah. let me piggyback on top of that. So sorry to interrupt, but the what the person should have explained this band to you as is a bunch of kids that only listened to propaganda discovered sixth and cynic and that's this band that's a pretty good statement yeah <laughs> they and they say they yeah they sick is sixth is one of their biggest influences I when think, they oh, i ahead. think this i i mean i know sixth a little bit better and i think they sound more system of a down than this band i could agree to that if if it's, you're it's gonna that go down effect yeah if, if you're gonna go as far as like oh what sounds like system of a down protest the hero or sixth i mean oh, sixth, sixth by far <laughs> you know and i've you know then then that's another one I've, i'm not super familiar with but i mean a lot of it was just i mean back then i didn't well one of the guys that you just mentioned earlier about wanting to be on here like i didn't even know him back then so so yeah i mean i've never heard anybody bring this band up and i just there's a lot of music out there yeah and unless it's being talked about in your circles or you keep up with i guess whatever publications there are you know a lot of stuff will fly right by you and you'll never even know it's there Mm mm-hmm Yep. That yeah, I can see that because like as big as dedicated as a fan base they have, it's still pretty niche. Like thinking about 15 years ago when there was no frame of reference for what they're doing, and now you know technical metal blew up so much. Technical and progressive metal, this particular way, blew up so much. Following them, following between the buried and me, sixth as we mentioned, like like there it's a, it's a whole world unto itself. But nobody really. I don't know if it's that nobody tries, but nobody really emulates what they do quite like they do it. Probably because it's not exactly as easy as going, oh man, let's just get an eight string guitar and we'll sound like fucking, you know, periphery tesseract, you name it. Yeah, they play, um, they, they play an E flat. They play yeah. an Alice in Chains tuning. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about like, as we said, their, their point of reference as, it, as they went on. Yeah, they said flat out their biggest influence starting out was Propagandi, which, get ready for an episode on that. We're going to go fucking ham. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, and then No Effects, which I always, I told Jason last week, and all Propagandi was at that time was Canadian No Effects. Uh, so I asked the question, did anybody listen to any of the demos leading up to this? I did, yes. Um, first of all, did you find the Happy Go Lucky demo? Because I couldn't find that shit at all. Pause. No. So maybe that's a mystery for another day then. Yeah, so they had they had a demo as Happy Go Lucky and then they had their little they changed their name mm-hmm. and then they had their little two song demo as Protest the Hero mm-hmm. and then they had a calculated use of sound. So did you listen to that pr- first technically protest demo Search for the Truth? Uh yes, but not recent. I didn't I didn't listen to it going into this podcast this is like a while ago yeah the only thing i listened to was a calculated use of sound okay past because i remember hearing that years ago but i i it was this morning was the only time i've ever heard search for the truth and yeah dude it's straight up canadian 
you know, and they cite a lot of fat records and epitaph yeah. records bands. Like, like, yeah, it's that sound. He, his affectations in his voice are even that kind of, you know, yeah. of that nineties ilk sound, which well, I with, never realized. Well, with the calculated use of sound, when their style like really started to solidify into what later became like their protest, the hero sound, that is when they started discovering sixth and yeah. cynic and Luke Hoskin uh has actually said this he's like yeah i discovered a band called like this 90s 90s metal band called cynic and it like changed my life and uh but yeah the calculated use of sound is when they finally started to solidify in that sound of their weird crazy off the wall (laughs) yeah it seems like it kind of goes in stages because like that is the perfect in between of what you know Search for the Truth is kind of the in-between of... Oh, no, I should say a calculated use of sound fits perfectly as the in-between of Search for the Truth and Kazaya. And then even Kazaya from then on is kind of like a bridge between... Everything after Fortress, it's just kind of like they keep refining over and over what it is they're doing from there. Right. But and, but we'll get there. And the even the label that signed them for their first EP up until they broke ties with it after uh um i think the gallop meets the or after, no after scurrilous they broke ties with the label after scurrilous uh and it was underground operations uh they are known for having uh very political based bands so oh, that makes sense huh it was yeah it was an indie indie punk label from uh ontario canada um and yeah, but apparently it dissolved in like 2016 or some shit. Uh, I was going to say, did you ever but, see any of the other bands on that roster? Uh, let's see. Abandon All Ships, uh, uh, Hostage Life, I Hate Sally. Uh, name? Let's see. Dead Letter Debt, uh, Closet Monster, Bombs Over Providence, The Artist Life. Um, Hands and Teeth, Heart Attack Kids, Kathleen Turner Overdrive, Kingdoms, Lights, Skynet, These Silhouettes. Hmm. That's all That's all the ones listed that I can see. I'm like the only one I think I recognize is Abandon All Ships, but I wonder if that's just like a Mandela thing where it's just like that just sounds like some band that should already exist or something like that. No, uh, Abandon, so. all sh- Abandon All Ships uh, – is on Rise. It's one of the Rise Records bands. So no shit. And I mean, uh, being on Rise now is very different than a abandoned all ships. Is it's one of those like uh, uh, the We Came as Romans, like that whole like the the oh, okay. second wave of metalcore. So it is like yeah. I mean, Rise is like its own wave of metalcore. We're we're gonna get right. into an in depth thing, but that. That's a weird point in time. I, I told you about Warp Tour 10 years ago where Rise had their own stage and it was all bands that sounded and looked exactly like each other. The The names were the only difference. Names and members were the only difference. Yep. Oh, man. Weird time. Um, anyways, very indicative of the era they came into. We And we yes. talk about this a lot, too, when they first come out. Well, I don't know about the S. Did you watch any of the videos for... for um, Anything off calculated use of sound? Uh, no, I only listened to it. Okay, because I remember this very... Uh-oh, I can't click on it. That sucks. Okay, I got to try to remember the name of the damn song. For that EP, they had some uh, 
song titles. That's for sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it must be this one I'm looking at. These colors don't run. I think it's this one where they're playing outside different uh, American embassies in Canada. Oh, I don't yeah. remember where. Yeah. Like, like starting the political roots of the band. I'd have to yeah. imagine that Propagandi informed that somehow. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, so it seems like maybe less than two years later. Eh, give or take. Then they come out with Kazaya, and yeah, man, the 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 technical aspect ups well, a lot. So here's the thing, like uh, the with that technical aspect is they wrote Kazaya before they were even technically proficient enough with their instruments to play it. Mm. Like okay. they wrote it to be that crazy, and they were not good enough on their instruments to play it until like they actually sat down to record the record. Like they literally shut themselves up in their closets and like learned how to play their instruments better to, to make that record. It's an amazing story. Oh, I love stories like that. The whole thing with Pete Sandoval when he was in Morbid Angel, like just practicing till he passed out because he wanted to be the fastest there was. And for a time he probably was. Um, but like, yeah, all the, you know, I, I remember seeing when the first reviews came out for Kazaya when it was still a big thing, well, new thing, I should say, in America, maybe, was everybody plays lead everything in this band. Like, yes, everybody's yes. insane proficient, dude. Um, and it's stuck like that. That review has stuck for the band. Like everybody is the lead member. Yeah. They all get the spotlight. It's nuts. And it's not really a thing because Arif was the main songwriter guy, uh, or lyrically especially. Uh, yes, for for the the albums he was involved with, he was the lyric writer. Mm-hmm. And, and just like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, and uh, that's kind of been a uh, form of debate amongst the diehard fans, is uh, which I don't know why, because both of them are great lyricists. Is like, well. Uh, Arif did all the concept albums and he did all the, like the crazy in depth stuff. And Roddy's just like taking it more of a political approach. And, but the whole, I'm kind of going to segue into a topic that we'll get a little more depth to later, but the whole Pacific myth uh, EP that they did uh, the subscription based one from 2015, 2016, that whole thing is about protest the hero and how it's, it's essentially Roddy. It's a giant metaphor for Roddy, his lyrics saying, stop looking into the lyrics. <laughs> I like it. Well, so that was the thing too, from album to album. I was like, oh, you know, because I, all I really thought about was the lyrics to Kazaya where it's, it's a concept album about a prisoner told from the viewpoint of three different people, including her. Yep. Um, that's cool stuff. And then I just never bothered to look into the rest of the lyrics till last night. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's not just, you know, political subtext in every one. From what I read, Fortress is about different forms of divine femininity or something like that. Yes, I. So, with all of my honorable mentions and my top five, I went ham on what the songs mean. So, mm. okay, okay, we'll get there. You know what's funny too is I only got such limited info on what Scurrilous was about, other than it was like some painting that Arif's. Um, grandfather made in the 30s or something like that mm -hmm. 
and then that was it. And then Volition, I don't know shit about shit other than. Oh, I okay. Okay, don't worry. All I, I know I is covered. All I know is what clarity is about. And you know what's a bummer is I tried to look for that music video again recently, and it's not anywhere I can find it easily. I don't know if what if that's a licensing thing or what, but I love that video, dude. And I know. Oh I've yes. Missed a bunch of other videos. So yeah, if you can find that video for clarity, go watch it. It's awesome. It, if I'm not mistaken, describes what the song's about, right? Fair. Uh, Yes, because the the song is essentially about how Star Wars and Star Trek both suck now and people just need to stop complaining. Am I mistaken in thinking that there's like a third gang of Lord of the Rings cosplay dudes uh, that shows up? In the video, yeah, it's like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. And that's, I guess that's kind of the what he's alluding to is that Lord of the Rings will always be superior. That's at least what I took from it. <laughs> Editorializing. <I> <laughs> I doubt I doubt that's like the actual meaning, but in the video and that that was my interpretation of it was the song is obviously about Star Wars versus Star Trek, how JJ mm-hmm. Abrams ruined both of them, how they both suck, and how people just need to stop complaining because it's just bad, period. Wow. The views and reflections of Alex do not represent the collective feelings of Battle List. But yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> Or at least, you know, whatever. I, I don't really give a shit about either anymore. Classic movies notwithstanding. People need to quit complaining. Yeah. Well, think about like that song now, dude. This was this was seven years ago. This was before Abrams was even on Star Wars. Yeah. Um what's the rest of the album about though? I, I, uh, I couldn't find anything. So so there's a few so it's not a concept album. So okay. each song is about its own specific thing. Um one of them is about how Canada put in a, uh, enacted litigation for pit bull bands and like uh, mm. violent breed bands. Like you have to get like a weapons permit essentially in order to have one. Oh, and shit. It's about it's about how stupid that kind of shit is. That one's called a life embossed. There's another one about how much they love Newfoundland. It's pretty obvious because that's what they say in the song. Um, there's another one about, uh, well, hell, well, Clarity is on my honorable mentions. And then uh, another one off that is yellow, off on my honorable mentions is Yellow Teeth off Volition. And that one is a little bit trickier, but it's essentially about, there's this old interview with this one, there's this old interview in which he essentially called Arif a, uh, the the old bassist a a sand n-word oh i know that and have you seen that video uh not for a long time but i, okay. I remember seeing it and then i remember Arif, that too Arif Arif defended him but later in another interview a uh one of the the the, the interviewer just brought it up out of nowhere and just like essentially took the boots to roddy and so yeah. that the song yellow teeth is about him like he can't even like get a word and can't even defend himself. Like a man is nothing more than what others claim he is. So speak up, speak ill of me. So it will be, it's essentially about that kind of, that kind of thing is like, like if you do one minor thing wrong, it's going to like haunt you for the rest of your life, no matter what you do to disprove it. Cause I've been thinking about that. I was like, how did that never come back to bite him in the ass? I didn't know it did. So that's interesting. So, okay. This is a learning experience fucking you know different time but not excusable either but fucking right. moving forward right that's all we can do 
speaking in which, well, uh, underbite, I can take away certain things from that song. Well, yeah. So it, that song has a double meaning because one, they are obviously being a satire about how a lot of the metalcore bands around that same time acted. And it's also about how musicians are, they're really just normal people too. Yeah, no, for sure. I, um, and the it, music video is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Is it puppets? Yeah, it, it, it it is, uh, they saw Himsa's Big Timber video and said, we want to do a, another version of that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I haven't seen it in so long, but I remember them having a little acted out scenes and whatnot. I appreciate shit like that. You know, going back one more real quick, I didn't really check into the lyrics of Scurrilous a lot, but I guess somebody thinks the song Scurrilous itself is about propaganda. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't ooh, look into I didn't, it. I didn't check. Uh, I only I only have one song from Scurrilous on both my honorable mentions and top five. And okay. When we get into that, I'll give you the the rundown of what that song's about. Right on. Uh, and then you talked a little bit about Pacific Myth, and it just kind of being like, "Don't look for something that isn't there." Right, right. So that was. Uh, um, I don't know if we recorded this part or not, but um, I think we did. Okay, maybe yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. Well. Uh, I guess I'll just repeat myself. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Arif in the earlier albums did most of the lyrical content and it was like the concept albums of Kazaya and Fortress. And then when he left, Roddy took over the main lyrical writing and it was uh, a lot less conceptual. There were still some metaphors in it, but it was more like poignant and political. And uh, there's an ongoing debate amongst the hardcore protest fans about who is the better lyricist. I think they're both equally great. They're just different. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pacific Myth is a conceptual metaphor written by Rhodey about how you shouldn't look into the conceptual metaphors of his lyrics. I like it. And, and it's, it's about how, um, like, each song is kind of about how uh, it's coming from the perspective of the band, the fans. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And it's like this Cthulian, like nautical journey. Hmm. And it's just about like, Hey, like the, the metaphors stop looking for metaphors in this. <laughs> I can dig that. Yeah. And then we move on to newest album, which I guess took for fucking ever to come to fruition for a number of reasons. Uh, we can get into that in a moment, but fucking this one's pretty on the nose. Yeah. And I am down for that. Yeah. Uh, do, do you want me to break this down? Because I can break this one down, too. I mean, okay, so the preface is that it's not just about the Trump administration. But, yeah, that's, no, so that's the starting it point. Is, yeah. it, is, it is absolutely not. Yeah. So the, the, the album title, Palimpsest, or as I like to call it, Plimpy. Uh, Palimpsest, the, what it means, it's an, old, it's an old scroll or document or tablet that has been... Uh, etched away like the the etching or writing on the 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 parchment or tablet has been etched away to make room for new scripture but you can still see some of the old text bleed through mm. so the entire premise of this record is that it's taking what is supposed to be like a beautiful saying like make america great again and it's looking at all the underneath subtext about what really went wrong in this country 
mm-hmm. like all of like the awful incidents, like horrifying shit that has happened in this country and how our current perception of those events are entirely different than what really happened because history is made by the winners. Mm-hmm. And so as the record goes on, it gets a little bit more hopeful. And then the final song is actually about like, Hey, like we, America has done some great shit. Like on the final song, uh, uh, Oh God, what the fuck's it called? I don't remember either. The song oh, titles are a little perplexing rivet, on this rivet. one. Yes, yes, sorry, yeah. So um, on the final song, Rivet, it's about how America... You sound like a frog right there. Yeah. <laughs> You're all rivet, right. rivet, rivet. Yeah. But the, it's, it's about how, like, America, we essentially started railways. Like, we did that the best for the time. And we also did, like, skyscrapers the best for the time. It's like, if we can capitalize back on that stuff or, like, that same mentality, we can make america great again like these are focus on what we did right rather than get bogged down in all of our current political climate yeah and it's funny that it's a bunch of canadians saying that you know what i mean right. like and then each each song has like its own individual um its own individual meaning like there's a song about uh um amelia Earhart. there's a song yeah. about the hindenburg and how it actually, the Hindenburg was horrible travesty, but it actually has ties to Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. There's a song about uh, John Dillinger and about how glorified he is when it's really about how fucked up our judicial system is. And then there's another song, which is in my top five that I won't go into detail yeah, yet. Fair enough. It's just so interesting that like, cause I always like perceive them as a political ban. But like it kind of, if it wasn't, if it didn't become more subtle, it just wasn't as at the forefront rather on the last like, what, three albums, right? And so to have them come in arguably more political than ever, or at least more blunt about it. Yeah, it's more, it's more overt because they've always been very political. It's just less metaphor, which is what Pacific Myth was about is saying like, hey, we really like the the entire premise of Pacific Myth was, hey, we really appreciate the diehard fans that are willing to do the subscription thing for us, but stop looking for the deeper metaphor because it's not going to be there. And then they came out with this because there is the like they're not doing the deeper metaphor. Like it's mm-hmm. pretty fucking obvious with this record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and even the imagery of the American flag over the uh, the bull's face or whatever that uh-huh. is. It's just like their last. I'll say, fuck. I, really all their albums like the artwork is so intricate there's a lot going on and it's hard to catch every little thing so like and beings that i you know it's a different era and we're not like looking most of us are not looking at like the big vinyl or the cd even we're just looking at the little thumbnails on our phone or our computer screen or whatever i'm just kind of having to parse what i'm looking at the fact that there's like two different versions of the artwork for um for volition granted there's a story behind that um yep they are very much an artwork-based band. Like, yeah. they love that shit. And they have a very unique aesthetic. Amongst everything else that makes them unique amongst all their peers, they have a very unique aesthetic as well, you know? And they're very diehard vinyl, too. Yeah, like yeah. They, they release everything on vinyl. Mm-hmm. You know what else? I completely just forgot until now. Did you check out the two newest songs that got put out that I don't know if they're B-sides from from the new album or something, but... There's just two no, songs that appeared. Yeah, it's the the they're, they are B sides, and no, I haven't gotten a chance to listen to them yet. And they're really good. 
that's what that's what I hear. So yeah. I can't I can't break those ones down for you. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's good. It's just like like that was the thing. I was like, oh man, protest fucking in a week. This should be no problem. And it's like, fuck, dude. They're so dense. Like it takes so long between releases, right? But it doesn't matter because obviously a lot went into each of those releases just because they're so fucking much in each song. Mm-hmm. Like they got so, so, so progressive. Um Amongst other things. Well, so that was, it's a, just an interesting thing to think about. You know, you look at where they started with the propaganda influence uh, yep. and all those other ones. And then they add, they say they're influenced by fucking Dream Theater, Rush. They say, especially in the beginning, Between the Buried and Me, Dragon Force, Dio, yeah. Judas Priest. Oh, they say Pretty much biggest, all like super guitar heavy bands. Yeah, yeah. And they say their biggest uh, Watchtower, which is a band I've always heard the name of, and I know they're influential, but I've never got into. I just know the guitarist is on one song on Volition. Uh, but their death metal influence comes from, I, I know they said a little bit of Beneath the Massacre back in the day, go figure Canadians. Yep. But they also dropped uh, <laughs> Decrepit Birth, Jason, as one of their biggest ones. And then Aeon? which I've always heard, but I don't know that I know. I know I've heard them before, but I'm just like, that's a random one. And I know Gunface Aeon's is super awesome. That's what I hear. I need, I, after this, I'm going to go check out Aeon. Cause like, that's I'm just a fucking like, good death metal dude. Yeah. And, and then Gunface name drops them a lot. Like when he had the playlist of all the influences that were like, we want to sound like this for Umbra Vitae, Aeon was on there twice. So I gotta, I gotta give it another checkout and see what it is that I'm missing. Um, but yeah, even after all of that, all of that with the the technicality and the and the metal influences, it's pretty clear to see their biggest influence conceptually is still propaganda, or at least what propaganda yep. became. You know what I mean? Because they also started out as a generic. I, again, Canadian No Effects. They were on Fat Mike's record label for four albums, and then on the third one, they became. They went from being Canadian No Effects to propaganda, their own band. You know the the mix of that punk with Canadian technical thrash dude. And like they've influenced so many bands, even outside the genre. And I would say that they might consider propaganda or excuse me, protest the hero, a star pupil because they've taken them out on tour. What a lineup that would be dude. Propaganda and protest the hero. Yeah. They had Chris on the last song on, um, Skirless. You had Rod on underbite on, yep. Uh, volition and then I didn't know this till yesterday but he plays bass on the second song on uh, the new album too yes he does the that's the that's the Amelia Earhart song ah there you go okay oh that makes a lot of sense in retrospect um yeah man fucking there the ties are strong and fucking again we're gonna get into propaganda another day because that's a whole other can of worms but it's just awesome to see like even as they progress that core element is intact and i think that's fucking awesome and i think that it's cool that propaganda took them under their wing like that and then it's just interesting to think about their touring career where they start off as a bunch of kids playing in a basement in ontario and then they get as soon as and again they just play around canada and then as soon as kazaya finally hits the states it's right off to warp tour and they say they they just toured for like two years straight after being still a relatively fresh band and they had to drop off a hop or a high profile tour with Silverstein because they just got burnt out so quick. Yep. And, um, it was not too long after that where I took you to see them for the first time. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's actually on my, uh, my notes. 
So that was with uh, Scale the Summit and Misery Signals in 2009. Yep. Yes, it was. That was a fucking amazing show. <laughs> what, a, what a lineup. I mean, I like number 12 looks like you and great. They're back together, but they were definitely the bottom of the band's I was most that's interested the, in that night. That's who the last band was because I was like, I feel like I'm forgetting a band. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they, <laughs> and they were down two members because they used to have two guitar players and two singers and it was just the one of each when we saw them. So it was kind of weird for them, I guess. But that was a cool-ass eclectic lineup. That was the thing, yeah. man. Like, Because um, like, they tried, I think management tried to fit them into the mold of what was going on. And they have songs about that and they've been very clear-cut was they had those squeaky high vocal elements, so they tried to fit them into the more emo, whatever you want to call it, screamo scene oh. stuff, and they were so against it, and they hated oh, it. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to cover that in yeah. one of my songs. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so, and, but at the same time, they, tried, they toured with Dragon Force in 2006 when Dragon Force was at their peak, and their audience didn't get them either. They were still kind of like in between worlds and they didn't know to that. Right. You know, the scene was a lot more ambiguous around that time. Everybody dressed the same, but they sounded different. You know what I mean? Like, like the MySpace days were nuts. Yep. So there was a bit of an identity forging process to go through. And that's, I won't say that's my favorite era, but like Kazaya is my favorite album still. Like, like those are the songs I listen to the most. When I heard they were remastering it, I was like, why? It sounds fine. And now when I listen to it, I'm like, oh, dude, it's oh, like night shit. and day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't listen to the old one anymore. I didn't think that would, I didn't think that would be the case, man. Just it's like, like, it's like the new reinventing the steel coming out. Anyways, so yeah, they, you know, bit of an identity crisis. And then I remember very distinctly when uh, Fortress hits, especially Blood Meat, they. Uh -huh. definitely, it was like you could see the seams on where all the influences were coming together on Kazaya. And then when you get to Fortress, this is the band they've been ever since, and they've gradually yep. escaped the senior aspects of, of that scene. And I want to I wanna pause and talk a little bit about the gear because with, with Fortress came, obviously, the production upgrade and then the gear that they've been using. So they, they started using, like, Splawn and VHT and Bogner amps, a little bit of... Uh, of PV 30, uh, 3120s, some angle cabs, and that's kind of what started uh, Luke on his whole Ibanez kick. Now he has his own awesome custom guitar. Tim was doing uh, PV guitars for a while. Now he's with ESP, and it's just like their tones have always been so clean mm -hmm. and like articulated because they are doing some gnarly fucking shreddy shit and you can still hear with clarity everything yeah. they're doing. So. That's what I hate about it. A <laughs> little too clean for you? It's, I'll just say my thing right now. Like, I fucking hate this band. Like, I can't stand <laughs> it. Most of it. Most of it's the vocals. I can't I stand the way it, yeah. the dude sounds. Like oh. He's an excellent singer. He's a great singer. But like James Labrie from Dream Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the way he fucking sounds. It's very hard for me to sit and listen to it. You know, and I mean, lyrics won't get me because they never do. Yeah. Um, that's not enough. Like, your shit has to sound cool. Here's the other pro problem. As a musician, and I've gotten into it with... So on Debate Destroy, Debate and Destroy, they did, uh, I, th I believe it was Power Slave versus Master Puppets. Ooh. Somehow, the duelists beat out Sanitarium. And it was what? because of like it was because of this one little like noodly part in in the duelist right and, and don't get me wrong it's a great fucking part 
Mm-hmm. But I, you know, when I fuck with those guys, I fucking send messages in. Like they get a lot of they get a lot of fucking interaction stuff because their shit is like debates, right? I mean, they're basically saying this is better than this, mm-hmm. which makes for a lot of fucking fun. But there was like one of their fans, so they they posted my thing in the story, and and this this fan hits me up. So what I had said was like, dude, like I get that what they're playing in that little newly part is fucking technically sound and technically proficient. It's just whack. <laughs> and this this dude like i think he was from, he was from somewhere like in scandinavia i believe he was just like i don't get what you're talking about like i'm like dude like just because what you're playing is difficult to play and you've mastered it and you're just this great fucking guitar player doesn't mean what you're playing is something that any like literally anybody wants to hear if that was the case jazz would be massively more popular than anything else for sure you know yep. and i'm like there's all kinds of stuff from all kinds of bands that I love where it's like they're playing this technical thing and it's fucking great, man. But I can't fucking stand it mm-hmm. because it doesn't fucking sound cool. And one of the problems of this band is like, one, it's, dude, chill out on the fucking scales for a second. <laughs> <laughs> like all of it's just like these scalar fucking runs, dude. And don't get me wrong. They're fucking awesome at it, dude. Right. And then the other, and I like the arpeggiated riffs and shit. That's fucking great, man. But it's like, it's a lot. Yes. Like it's, <laughs> the major, it's the majority of what they do. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is their fucking guitars are so clean and they so they ran into the same problem I ran into where I was like, well, I was recording, I think it was like the dementia album. I was worried about having too much gain and it, and I went overboard the other way and didn't have enough. Mm-hmm. And then my guitar, just sounds like shit the whole time these guitars don't sound like shit they're just not heavy at all like we talked about it in the shadows fall episode where you drop the game down so you can hear the note but shadows fall still stays heavy two reasons one they have a little more game than this than this stuff but two they don't just do these fucking arpeggiated riffs and mostly scalar runs they chunk it out every once in a while or put a chunk guitar behind it and there's not much behind these guitars so yep. another thing, another way to cover it up, that one thing that bothers me with this band is the system of a down thing. The fucking guitars are so forward in the mix with that sound, they almost don't sound like guitars. It almost, it doesn't sound like a keyboard by any means. It just doesn't really sound like a guitar. So where something like Rings of Saturn, because of how much stuff they're playing, kind of sounds like a pinball machine. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this stuff sounds even more like a pinball machine because they aren't playing as, as much as rings of saturn and rings of saturn still has a little more gain on the guitars but it's the same but even with rings of saturn it's the same kind of thing when you get in the higher notes there's i don't know how to explain it there's just something about when you turn the gain up or the distortion up it gives it more of like a buzzy, like a zzz kind of sound where if you turn that down it gives it more of like a beeping sound like if you're, especially if you're like really, if you're a super clean player, there's no reverb and you're like really staccato picking, you know, to the point it sounds like a beep kind of. And that's what this band fucking sounds. A lot of that sounds like that with this band. Like I said, they are amazing fucking guitar players and drummer and their bass player is awesome too. All of them are fucking outstanding players. It's just... Some of it is the Black Dolly murder curse. Can I call it a curse? <laughs> We're out, we are now. What a, one, what a wonderful night to have one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a wonderful 
morning morning it's still morning. it's still morning yeah um no it's the same it's the same thing it's like uh revocation is another one where it's like they're really good at what they're doing it's just there's not a lot of stand and i don't want to call that songwriting because i don't believe that's the case i really don't believe that a song has to be all that memorable to be a great song or to be written great there's just it's, it's a whole other thing right because I mean, some people, it does fucking stick with them. It's just for me, man, there's some of the stuff that's like, yeah, man, these guys are fucking awesome, but I'm never going to remember this fucking song. Ah, I'm going to come back to that in a sec. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I have a lot to piggyback off of that, yeah, too. It's, yeah. it's, it's just like, I mean, yeah, you this, this like a lot of technical death metal, or just death metal in general, um, aside from the early death metal, that's... A little bit different. That, I mean, that's pretty easy to catch. There's a lot of groove parts yeah, and shit like that. There's exactly. a lot of memorable shit. Um, there's, there's catchiness to it. But a lot of mm-hmm. like the tech death stuff, in particular the early tech death, but even bands like, um, I don't know, Beyond Creation or, or fucking Obscura and stuff like that, you know, they can they can run into this the same issue where it's like, yeah, I mean, you have to listen to that stuff like a thousand fucking times before it like really fucking sticks in your head. Now, I will say this. Uh, as I listened to this stuff more, I didn't mind it as much, but at the same time, I was getting sick of hearing it. I could see that being a lot for a shorter amount of time for sure. Yeah. You know? It was, it was just like, dude, like this shit's just getting on my fucking nerves. Well, man. that's like, like I said, that's how I originally felt about the, the no stars over Bethlehem thing too. It's like when I first heard, I'm like, they're doing some shit, but Roddy's got some weird pipes, man. And then yeah, it was yeah. just like the more the more I digested it, it was just like, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's weird too because Rush comes to mind also. Oh yeah, they they call them an influence. I don't they're Canadian. Like Getty Lee's voice. I'm used to it because you know, I mean, fuck, I've had to hear it on the radio for the last forty fucking years. Like, <laughs> but I, I mean, that's another one where it's like, uh, and I mean, I've already said I'm not a big prog guy, right? I mean, we all fucking know that, but there's. There's a couple things that this band reminds me of. One is a little bit of fucking Dream Theater slash Rush because that's almost the same fucking band, just 30 years difference. And some of it's Queen. I would be not surprised to find it that there was there's some Queen influence. Yeah. Some certain, there's some certain elements in some of these songs where it goes to not so much musically. It doesn't really go to like a rocker theater vibe, but his fucking, the way he sings it absolutely does. To yeah. the point where you're almost, uh, it almost seems like he's, he's playing a role and he's changing his, like this line, this group of lyrics is for, is from a certain character. And this one is from a different character. And he changes voice voices for those characters. Like uh-oh. there's hang stuff, on, there's on, stuff like on. that. I'm a, I'm a mute myself really quick. <laughs> yeah. Did you see, by the way, we got the 10 minute warning. Oh yeah. I just saw that come up. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. there's there's stuff I see in there where I'm just like, and I, I I honestly don't remember what song or what which songs I guess because I was kind of just playing everything uh, out okay. of the. Uh, so you go to like the popular section in in uh, Spotify, mm-hmm. and you can just hit on the phone. You can just hit shuffle from there, and it'll literally just start playing their entire fucking catalog. Oh, interesting. Now, 
I did that with this band. I wouldn't do that with some other bands because it will start playing all those fucking demos on the re-releases and yeah, yeah. live versions and stuff like that. But this band, they didn't have a lot of that. They have a, I, I definitely know they have a couple albums that have the instrumental tracks, which that yeah. was a fucking joy to listen to. <laughs> so let me, I'm going to interrupt you really quick. And I'm going to say that this band does the acoustic piano, like instrumental breaks better than any other metal band period. Like their, their little acoustic, like piano, little, uh, segues are the fucking best. And it's their, their rhythm guitarist, Tim Miller writes all those. He's the piano player too. Yeah. I was, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff where, I mean, I definitely like, which one is it? Pacific myth, the instrumental tracks, like awesome, dude just fucking awesome but my favorite is the instrumental tracks from fortress yep oh yeah i forgot they had an instrumental for that so some somehow fortress is the sweet spot for me and i i kind of noticed there was more stuff that i enjoyed from that album even though one thing i thought about because i was there's a lot of stuff on there that reminds me of black dolly murder I could see that for sure. Just just not as heavy vocals, but there's, I can't remember the song. It might be the song that's in my list, but there's a song there where he's like screaming like in a higher scream. And mm-hmm. it almost sounds like Sternod. Like, yeah. I, I was like, wow. Like, I mean, at least a particular scream that Sternod does, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this is the only one that this guy does. I don't know. But, but yeah, I mean, definitely the sweet spot for me is Fortress. That's where the majority of my stuff, my, the stuff that I, that really stood out and I, I, I'm like you. I was doing screenshots because I was fucking driving, so I can't, I can't like you know jot down which song it is from what album. So I just hurried up and fucking screenshotted my phone, mm-hmm. um, and I noticed that there was a lot from this this Fortress album. Which, by the way, I fucking love that album cover too. Yeah, yep. That album cover is fucking awesome, dude. That that one I really like. The one for Pacific Myth too. I'm trying to remember the one for Pacific Myth. It's got the flying fucking manta rays or whatever the fuck those things are. Yeah. Yeah, they all look individual or I should say unique to one another, you know? Um, yeah, they're all kind of different. Yeah. It's, it, one thing about Rhodey is it's, uh, he has an awesome growl and he has an awesome scream, but he doesn't do them live. He has one, uh, the guitar players do them. Um, but it's awesome that he can do all that stuff. He's obviously got a sick range. And that's the thing he talks about is like, he always tries to get as high as he possibly can and then get even higher than that. He's always talking about he's at the top of his range. I feel like, and, and that's, that's, go oh, ahead. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, like, well, that would be a thing. Like, what if he explored the lows and the mids a little more? Because he's always just doing that one thing. And eventually, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the similar way. That's probably why I like Kazaya the, the most is probably just because the songs are a little catchier. It's not, you don't have to dig through a bunch of stuff to get to it. Um, cause you can hear like everything they're getting, they're doing is awesome. It's just that there's so much that somehow even clean singing, like starts to get monotonous after a while. Cause he's doing that same thing over and over, you know? Um, and I was always yeah. curious as to where he got his voice from because it's, it is a little distinct. And, uh, I recommend everybody listen to his episode on Shane from Silverstein's lead singer syndrome podcast. It's just funny to hear Shane like has a pretty non-regional accent until he starts talking to another Canadian and then it's just off to the oh boy races dude with the <laughs> accents. I love it. But um, he talks, fuck, bud. <laughs> oh my God, it's great. I love it. But he talks about, yeah, it all came, you know, 
Chris Propagandi. And then he he wanted to go even higher than that, and he got super into um, Skid Row, Sebastian Bach. So, like, he says his, his voice is a mixture of that era of – his singing voice, anyways, is a mixture of that era of punk and glam metal. So that, you know, two very flamboyant vocal styles, especially the latter, you know what I mean? So it makes sense where all that comes from. Uh, he also says he's super huge into musical theater. Andrew Lloyd Weber, or Weber, excuse me, <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Weber specifically, just like our friend Jimmy. So it makes no fucking. Yeah. It makes all the sense why Jimmy loves protest too. Um, so you hear all these eccentricities in the vocals, and it makes sense why it comes out the way it does. That's uh, why I say like they, there's there's elements of Queen here because oh, yeah. you can hear the the show tune type aspect quite a bit mm-hmm. yeah and even and then there are some parts when they do like the half tempo like super epic like letting chords ring out with the cool little lead line following it that's like very seems very like we are the champions queen to me right yeah that kind of shit yeah when they finally give a little air to breathe but yeah i'm, I'm with you on that where it's just like yes they're stuff from fortress onwards a little more it's no, it's not a little more. It's way more musically accomplished. It's just it doesn't register quite as much as Kaziah does with me. And I know. So, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. So to to counteract that, I have a little thing in my notes, and I even say that uh, I think I will be disagreed with. But uh, I think that each and every record, I think they are one of the only bands, if not the only band, I can think of to my personal taste that has literally gotten better with every single album. Oh yeah, no, I, I think they've gotten think, better for sure. I think I think Fortress is better than Kazaya. I think Scurrilous is better than Fortress even mm-hmm. though Kazaya and Fortress has like the more memorable songs. Mm-hmm. Fortress is or Scurrilous is the better of those. Volition is like their pinnacle technicality, mm-hmm. but I think they overplayed on it even though Volition is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm not going to include Pacific Myth on this. I'm talking about just specifically records. Yeah. Um, and then I think uh, Plimpy is their best album to date. Fair. Hey, that's that's all fair. That's they, that's a thing. Have, it's it's like the combination of they have the songwriting. It's got like they it, it has the n- more normalized song structures. They kind of back off the technicality and let the songs write themselves. Right. And they, uh, I think they finally have it dialed in with Plimpy. And this is going to be the turn of the tide for their career, in my in my opinion. Uh, so, did you want to get into each member real quick, Alex? Yeah, do a quick little like history, I guess. So, Tim, Luke, Roddy, their original drummer Mo and Era for the main starting members. Um, they did the first well, first two demos, and then uh, their EP all the way up to um, Volition. And that's when Mo left. Mo left to work in manufacturing because let's face it, there's way more fucking money there than there is in playing in a metal band, mm-hmm. especially a niche prog metal band like this. Yeah. Um, not and so that's when they got uh the Mr. Mr. Chris Adler to do the session work on that album. Mm-hmm. And uh and then Arif left and he went on to do session bass work with a bunch of stuff. And he actually went to play bass with a female vocalist named Kayla Howren, who did a guest spot on a song that I won't list yet because it's in my top five. 
Righteous. And he went to join her country band for a while. Um, and then uh, the the woman who does the, vo- the, the voice of Kazaya and is featured on a number of Protest the Hero songs, uh, Jadia Kelly, she does uh, a lot of her own like pop and country stuff. And she's even won uh, awards for her country music stuff. So the whole band's kind of tied to that. And nice. then now... Uh, Mikey Mike Yadri is their current drummer, and he joined when they went on tour with the Kindred, formerly Today I Caught the Plague, and that's when Dave and I saw them in 2013. It was Protest, mm-hmm. Kindred, Affiance, Architects, um, and then they also had the producer for Volition, uh, Cam McClellan. He was uh, he's now an official full time member but he was the session basis for that tour as well. And how they got hooked up to do the production for Volition with him is he was the producer for the stuff from I, from Today I Caught the Plague, now renamed The Kindred. So, Yeah. I remember you had a, a slight chub going on for Kindred after we saw them for a minute. And oh. Defiance. Oh, and, yeah. And Architects. Oh, yeah. That it, show was so good yeah dude and it's crazy to think that architects blew the fuck up right after that i mean like they were already big in like the uk and like parts of europe but they finally like caught their break here after after struggling for a while so good on them affiance unfortunately came to an end we talked to the we ran into the singer in the parking lot for warp tour and they weren't even on the tour that was fun I haven't seen much of Kindred Did, in the last Didn't we years. buy shirts from them too? Yeah, that, that was the whole trip was they were like, we're not even going to play. We're just going to tour. We're going to follow each stop on Warp Tour and sell our shit in the parking lot. And so I, and you didn't know that. I, I forgot to tell you, but I knew that. So I was looking out for him and we ran into him. I still got that shirt yeah. somewhere too. Um, I do too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a sick ass tour, man. Then that, that was the thing. After, after people trying to cram them into the more seen kind of, machine they finally struck out on their own and they they've headlined most of the tours they've been on in recent years so they got their pick and it's awesome to see the bands that they choose misery signals being one of my favorite two bands i was stoked for that particular lineup um can't wait to talk about on the misery signals episode how every time i've seen them it's never been the same lineup twice in a row Um, yeah But uh, I haven't seen them in seven years, and I'm guessing you haven't either. It'd be cool to see what they're like now. So yeah, I'd, like, I'd be curious to see what kind of production they have, if at all. Otherwise, it's just them in a backdrop. Rody doesn't move around. He just kind of stands in place and yep. does his thing, of which he makes a point of doing. Jason Williams, San Diego music extraordinaire, hit me up, and he's just like, hey, man, I got a I got an extra ticket for the 10 year anniversary of Fortress if you'd like to go. And I was already going to prong that night. So I, otherwise I would have taken him up on it. Um, Ooh. yeah, I think you made the wrong choice there, bud. Oh, I disagree, dude. I, a Fortress is my least favorite album and B prong was fucking sick. Even if the bass player was drunk and hurled his fucking cables in Aaron and Estes faces. And apologize very drunkly for it soon. Speaking after. of Hurled, shout out to Affiance at that protest the hero show. This is, <laughs> this is true. This is true. Guy puked on command into whatever box it was that he did. That was that was fun. Um I'm trying to think who amazing. else was on that prong show. Oh, Power Flow. That was cool. But um yeah, I I 
I'd be curious to see if they, I, I feel like there is some production to be had with their live show. I just don't know that like the, the draw makes sense money wise for something like that. But you know, there's so much theatricality in their music and even their videos. And, and that's why I actually like how they do their live shows. It's very, just let the music speak for the, for itself. Like it's no Devin Townsend production. Like, oh yeah. No the music I, is already theatrical enough. Yeah. Like, keep it like that like just yeah. have your your basic band drop like have the guys playing and i that's why i like the dichotomy in their live shows like that it's just them they're showing up doing their thing like this is their crazy wacko music you don't need like crazy wacko shit going on around yeah. that so. i i completely agree i'm just surprised they haven't done that but again niche band not a lot of money so maybe it's for the better Every one of Jason's critiques, I would say, is is not invalid. You know what I mean? There's there's right. definitely things to pick apart. What it comes down to, every band's an acquired taste, if you really break it down. It's just some are more than others, and protest is definitely a very, very acquired taste. The people that love them for what they do love them, though. That's the thing. I There's a certain level for some bands that I, that I like of just liking them, and I like them a lot. It's just the people that love them love them way more than I do, you know? And good on them for finding their audience. How awesome is it that they were able to fund their fucking fourth? It's fourth, right? Album almost three times over because they have such a loyal and dedicated fan base that love what they do. So much so. <laughs> do you remember what one of the incentives was for like a grand? No. Oh, the tattoo, right? Oh, there's that too. But it was, I think it was for a grand. I, I wonder if there's some yeah. way you can go back and find all the tiers. One of them was X amount of dollars and we'll have a pizza party. Like, oh, yeah, 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 I yeah, remember just that. Stuff like that, like like fun little things. Uh, and they were able to tour off that for a long time. Other bands, they, they kind of paved the way for that being such a huge, yep. huge, huge crowdfunding deal that Misery Signals did at the, was it following year? Something like that. And then like all these other bands finally that were a little more trepidatious about crowdfunding at the time finally started doing it. They kind of paved that way for that door to be blown down. And then uh, after that, they try something different and say, all right, we're going to have like this sort of subscription service where we do a new song every month. Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I, I was under the assumption that it was, they were all ready to go and they were just going to release them, but apparently they had two ready to go. And then they were like, shit, it's another month. And they had to, they on the fly had to do another song each month. And they, that kind of tripped them out, but acquired taste people that love them, love them. I don't know. They're fun to me. I, I don't listen to them a lot. And when I do, it's just the one album, but there's no denying there's a lot of awesome stuff going oh, on throughout the rest and, and i listen to them all the fucking time yeah like, i could yeah. listen to them more yeah i, I, mean, I, I gotta check like out it, the instrumentals like said, the, the musicianship is stellar so mm -hmm. i i guess i mean i barely i don't listen to dream theater very often and i mean i still listen to it <laughs> you know, yeah yeah like, same and this is this is kind of similar in that vein fucking mm -hmm. a protest I, man. Listen, I listen to this so i don't have to listen to dream theater there you go did i tell you jay has a <laughs> uh, jay from tesseract has a band on dream theater uh on his channel he has like this gigantic blacklist of bands he refuses to play in dream theaters at the top somebody tipped like a hundred dollars the other day and he said i'll, I'll tip you a hundred dollars if you play dream theater so he had to try to suss his way through a dream theater song the other day and he was <laughs> you could see it in his face he was just like uh so then that broke down the floodgates and all these people are making huge donations and it's just like play this 20 minute dream theater song so 
things That's people fun. will do for money. Yep, yep, yep. It was fun to watch. It wasn't it wasn't like a crazy one either. It was just like a long one. Yeah. But it was fun. Uh anything else you would like to add before we get to honorable mentions? It's not a bad hourly wage. Yeah, no kidding. Right? Yeah, no, twenty minute song and you're getting over a hundred bucks. Yeah. Not too bad. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, we we covered all of my uh external notes that aren't part of the songs and honorable mentions in top five. So Right on. Let's get into it. Honorable mentions, Alex. Uh, maybe even just go through the ones you already mentioned just because. Yeah. So I had, I said blindfolds aside, that is in my opinion, the second best song off of uh, Kaziah. It's the last of the prison guard perspective song. And mm-hmm. it's about how he feels the justice system is flawed and he feels guilty for like this, like having to essentially execute this woman just for being a woman. The mm-hmm. woman being Kaziah, she's going, the story is there's a prison priest, a prison guard, and Kaziah herself. And it's three songs from each of their perspective and about how Kaziah's essentially going to be executed just for being a fucking woman. There's mm-hmm. the out, the concept of it. Yeah, shout out in general, because amongst other things that they cover, shout out to the fucking huge anti-misogyny streak throughout their entire career. Yeah. That's yeah, fucking cool. They've been pretty on top of that. Yeah. So... Blindfolds aside, mention that. Uh, mm-hmm. Blood Meat is another honorable mention. That might be in a top five for you guys, but it didn't didn't make the shot. Uh, Yellow Teeth, the song about the interview got bad. Got bad. Clarity, the Star Wars Star Trek song. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones I mentioned. And, oh, and Pacific Myth as a whole. Like Death I have Bear. that I have that as an honorable mention too. Yeah. Uh, Jason, how about you? One of my honorable mentions was Sequoia Throne. Ah. They got the like the little fucking like at the start, and it kind of runs all the way through. One uh-huh. thing that's one time, and I mean it's not every single time it doesn't sound like guitars. It's just most of the time, mm-hmm. and that one that little noodly part over that is pretty cool. The picking <laughs> on the rhythm in the verses is just like it's fucking flawless. Like it's really good, but they also it's it slows down in the middle part. Now that's one thing I do like when this band slows down. To me, that's when his voice really kind of works for, it works for me a little bit better. I can forgive it a little bit more because it works really well for that with this band. They just don't do that a shitload, which actually I'm kind of glad because I mean, I think Dream Theater does it too much. Mm, Yeah, I could see that. it's, it's, It's like there's a lot of Dream Theater songs that are like really just moving and all of a sudden they have to have their little obligatory Let's mellow it out real quick. Yeah. James Labrie goes behind stage, <laughs> behind his vanity. Sometimes sometimes that's like, well, let's let James do his thing. Yeah. Yeah, go um, have him run to the break room to do some yep. coke for a little bit. Yep. John Petrucci takes center stage. Well, it's it's either him or it's like Sharinian, like it gets to shine on the mellow part. It's yeah, you know, or sometimes Labrie has to have his little over dramatic fucking singing moment in the in the mellow part. And but yeah, when it slows down towards the end of it, there's a backup vocal in there that just he's he's just singing slightly different. And it's more of a style that I like. It's really fucking cool. A lot of like layered stuff going on towards the end of Sequoia Throne. Um, the other one I have is another one kind of like that where I don't, out of the stuff I listen to, it's it's one of the least busy ones, I guess. Now, the verse riff, like, I mean, it's fast, dude. Like, And it does have some noodles in there, but it's got 
a lot of emptier spots, but it's uh, Skies on the, at the last track of Volition. Yep. Oh, that ending too when they have the guest vocalist come on. Oh. Who's so? Who's the guest? Because I. Uh, it's from I. Oh God, what the fuck is his name? Um, I'm just gonna Google it really quick. I was pretty sure there was a guest of some sort on this song, but. Yes. Um, yeah, this one really. This one caught my ear pretty good. I, I definitely don't mind this one. This got the really mellow ending, but it also has like the mellow intro too. I just love that, how it starts too. God, it damn. reminds me of those acoustic electric guitars. Actually, no, not those. It reminds me of those acoustic guitars that have the plastic back on them. I don't know what. Oh, uh, 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 Ovation. Yeah, oh, it okay. has yeah, the, yeah. a uh, it has a nylon string effect to it that sounds odd. But once you've heard the sound, you'll never forget that sound. And every every guitar you've ever heard that has that sound, I mean, you'll you'll notice it right off the bat. It's completely different than an acoustic sound. Now, I also know that there are certain effects that you can do that will give you that so- sound on a just running a clean guitar. So there are three guest vocalists on Whoa. Skies. What? It's uh, Kevin Lewis, Josh Hang, Hange, and Mark Palin. And I don't know what any of the bands are from. It doesn't say. It no. doesn't say it doesn't, when they're no. from, well, that's weird, man. Like, they, I mean, they might not be from another band, be honest with you. Or just local friends. It's like I was right, telling yeah, Alex, who are all these guest vocals on the, on the new Misery Signals? And once I found out who they all were, I was like, cool. I still don't know who any of these people are because they're all like local <laughs> friends from Canada. It's, it's like the, the guy on the, the, the first album for... Yeah, uh, yeah. On the uh, last song? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who that guy is still. I know he's a friend of Je- or Jesse's, yeah. But I still don't know. And like they said, the name of the band. I, I mean to check all these out because I found out who the other guy is that isn't Devin Townsend on Old Ghosts. And I'm like, I really like that guy's voice. I'm going to look that up. And now I know where to look. I haven't done it yet, but I'm, I'm going to is what I say. But hey, man, I'm a fan of that. Get your buddies in there. I've, I've been I've been guest vocals on more records than i've actually done with any of my own projects right. you know so fuck it um but you know it adds a different texture it's it's cool that you can name you know the female voice on all the songs you know and just like the the female voice on all the cynic stuff has her own little following just because of all the stuff she did with cynic oh speaking right. of uh speaking of guest vocal shout out to wretch because it's got a roddy's cat on it Meow. Nice. That's the cat, cat during the breakdown. I like it. <laughs> Is there a band with cats? Like, like you know how they had caninas yes. with the pit bulls? All right. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. There has to be a cat band. There's like three of them, dude. Yeah. Okay, I don't remember any of the names, but yes. Um, shout out to That's Hate Beak. Bad idea. Yeah. There's one other parrot band, I think, that I'm forgetting right now. It's like Squawk, but it's spelled all evil and metal or right. something like that. Woo. Uh, any more honorable mentions, Jason? No, that's it. Right on. Here's, here's where it comes down to is that Kaziah, again, is the one I've had the longest, and that's the one I always go back to. So, of course, I'm going to favor a lot of that. I like Fortress and I like Skirilis. I just don't connect with them as much. So, there's nothing. Well, okay, almost nothing on either of them. Volition and the new one, I Volition's my second favorite album. Easy. It's just that I feel like if I had more time with it and I listened to it more often, I'd have more selections. And I think if I had more time with the new one, even 
like like full disclosure all i heard was the first song they put out which i think is the third one and i was like yeah it's protest it's fine and the, so i didn't really hands, right? i think the, so that sounds about right yeah that that one's that one's about the the boston molasses spill also known as the boston molassacre <laughs> nice um and so i was like okay whatever and so like when it was finally time to listen to the rest of the record, I was like, oh, I like this way more. Shit, I should have got on this sooner. So I think if I had more time with it, maybe. Um, musically That's- and lyrically, I definitely think it's their best and most accomplished. But beside that, the one that sticks out to me the most for honorable mention is Sex Tapes because it's got Ooh. Chris from Propagandi, dude. And yeah. they, their voices sound fucking awesome together. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like I was gonna say the other song with Rod too, Underbite, but he's actually not on it as much. Not that Chris is on it a lot right. either. On um, sex, he's he's on sex tapes more than Rod's on Underbite. And I, again, I really like the way their voices go together. You can absolutely hear where that uh, vocal influence comes from. And when they actually do the one line on top of one another, it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, so and this is. I was going to say, this would be a perfect segue then. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So, and then to cap it off, my favorite part of the song is actually the end, how it fades out. Yes. Uh, so without further ado then, your number so, five. My top five is actually going to be pretty interesting because I managed to get one song from every record. Very nice. As, as my top five. And to piggyback off your honorable mention, number five is Sex Tapes from Scurrilous. Fucking hell. And... So, like, this song jumps a lot of different styles, and it is pretty impressive how they managed to. It's it's kind of like what Devin Townsend did with the song with the, the with his empath song. I can't help um, you with Genesis. Devin Townsend after like 2012. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Well then, uh, but it, what I'm saying it tends to jump around different styles, and of course, Chris being on it like solidifies this and protests the Hero Hall of Fame for me. And but yes. what the what the song is about is yeah sure the sex tapes kind of give it away but it's mm-hmm. really about how fast like nudes or sexting or having a sex tape or amateur porn gets leaked how fast it can get leaked on the internet and literally ruin someone's life career just for it being out mm-hmm. and yeah. particularly particularly the woman mm-hmm. it doesn't happen nearly as bad for men as it does for women and not even close right and and that's that's what the song is about is how like one single nude picture of a chick can cost her her career as a lawyer or some shit and it's fucked yeah and the song just fucking rips (laughs) song slays it's a great way to close the album man yes hey real quick was there a video for anything off of scurrilous i guess yeah say la vie okay i don't remember it but and also, there's a video for Blood Me, right? Mm, yes, but okay. Sequoia Sequoia Throne has the video. That's the one I'm thinking of, where he goes around killing and everybody. Killing yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just for memory's sake, I'm going because I know there's a lot of videos I haven't seen. But yeah, man, sex tapes is fucking sick. Yep. Speaking of fucking sick, Jason, your number five. My number five is Limb from Limb. Mm. from fortress i think probably it's again it's another one that reminds me of that kind of melodic death metal black dahlia murder revocation style particularly especially right at the start then he starts singing and it kind of kills it a little bit but 
<laughs> it, kill, it kills the heaviness <laughs> vibe to it. Um, but no, I mean, I really liked, I guess it, there is some like vocal stuff in there that I do like. Probably the bridge, I guess. It's, I mean, I'm listening to it right now. And it's kind of still going with the chorus. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's not, or sorry, it's kind of still going with the verse. But I like the screaming on this song, and I don't know who does it. It's um, all, it's mostly, if not all. Is him. it all him? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, that was one of the reasons why I liked it was like, I mean, you get about um, almost two minutes in, and I mean, he's, he's screaming. And it's pretty good. I mean, he's got the low scream, he's got a good high scream. And it gets into this dun 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 like it's one of the more chunky parts, I guess. And not saying that they don't have any. It's just when they do have them, they kind of stand out to me. But you know what I thought was pretty weird? Like, do they have a lot of guitar solos? Uh, no. It's more of just lead guitar lines. They do have some. I just started thinking about. I was like, wait a minute, man. They don't have a whole lot like actual guitar solos. Yeah, yeah, true. I, I mean, they're, observation. they're doing guitar fretboard acrobatics for the majority of the song anyway. So, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. it would kind of get lost in the shuffle. But there is a little solo thing in the song, but it sounds like a keyboard. Like when it hits that... Because it does this little... Like uh, almost like a dubstep type. And then it goes this little... And it's super high pitch. Yeah. Well, is it is it Fortress or is it Skrillex that has the keyboard dude that used to be in um, Dragon Force? That is uh, uh, Fortress, and, and it I is the that, guy, uh, right? That, that yeah, and that is on Spoils, I believe. Okay, I thought he was just like sprinkled throughout. I mean, I'm going to look it up now, you know, and it doesn't really say anything about this particular song. Oh, okay, okay, keyboards on track limb from limb from limb. It's Vadim Prusinov. Yeah, that's the guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's what it is. Okay. So Dragon Force has a solo on the song. All right. Cool. That was one of the reasons why I put it. I put it in there because it was kind of different. But this is another one where they have like a little bit of a like a little bit Tom work. Yeah. Everything's a little more subdued. His vocals are even a little more subdued. And then it breaks into the like there's I mean it's one of the parts where they get she is fairly chunked out yeah yeah and I I love how the song starts too because you're coming off like that two minute like awesome instrumental break from Palms Red like the weird like kind of polka instrumental thing and then it just slams you with this super fast groovy. And he just comes in with split the sky. It's so fucking awesome. Yeah, this is this is fantastic. That's an awesome, awesome fucking pick. Yeah, that was actually, I think that was probably the first one I wrote down. D'Lo. Yeah, just to piggyback off what you said real quick, I think he has an awesome scream and growl. And apparently, yep. if he gets sick and he can't like sing, sing, he'll do shows where he does all screaming, which I would like to see very much. Ooh. Not wishing him any ill health. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> like, no, and I could definitely say, like, I mean, here's the problem. I would definitely like this more if he screamed the whole time. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, I listen to a lot of stuff that's like this where they scream the whole time. Yeah, exactly. It would kind of make them just like everybody else. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'd be curious to hear how that but, sounded. Yeah, I mean, in a live setting, like, it, you know, where it's something that you might not ever see. 
all yeah. that often, that would totally be cool. It makes me wonder if there's like footage on YouTube of that or something. There might. I, be. I mean, that's like when you know a singer gets fucking hurt or sick or something, and another singer fills in for him. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I would like to see that because you're probably, I mean, yeah, you're not seeing the guy that you're there to see, but you're also never going to see that again. Yeah. Howard filling in for Matt when uh, he had to go be there for the birth of his kids and on that Trivium tour. Mm-hmm. That would have been fucking amazing. I still got to watch that. I know it's been out there forever and ever and ever. I it's it's good. Seen it. It's good. I could it's, imagine. It's different, but it's yeah. good. Is there any footage of Trevor Phipps fucking filling in for Killswitch Engage? <sighs> I don't he know. Only did that, he only did that for like two shows or something. Yeah, and it was, was the mid two thousands where camera phones weren't quite what they hey, were right. yet. So uh, I could actually speak to this because I was at one of those shows. Seriously? Because yeah. when uh, it didn't didn't he fill in for Adam D? No, 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 no. On vocals. Oh, yeah. oh, oh okay, had to okay. fill in yeah. for Howard. Yeah. Wow. You, and it's you, like, yeah, you and I were there when Adam D. Uh, what was it? The dude that used to sing in Damage Plan. Oh, Pat I thought that was something. I, oh, I thought I thought that was the guy you were talking about. Oh uh, no, 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 Trevor. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Was, names. Uh, Trevor Fi- Trevor Phipps from Unearth, the singer from Unearth, had to fill in. Um, it was East Coast dates. Yeah, He's close. I don't. I don't know names. <laughs> he said he was dry. He was like driving on his way to the like. He was like, uh, yeah, I could totally do it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he had like uh, lyrics like taped to the dashboard of his car. Yeah. And he was listening to the songs that he needed to listen to, like on his way to meet up with them. Yeah. It see, was like I a wa- just total last minute thing. I yeah. always wanted to see Bjorn fill in for Jesse when Jesse quit Killswitch. Uh, remember, we were talking about the alternate world scenarios. They hit up uh, Brian from Shadows Fall. Yeah. They hit up uh, Brandon from Bleeding Through. And Brandon's actually Dude, the it happens one. All the, it happens a lot. Where yeah. Especially for singers where they get sick on a tour, you know, and it's just like, okay, well, you can either not play and possibly not get paid, or you've got to find somebody to fucking step up. Yeah. There was, or- a, there was a, my, my old drummer went to a fucking go see Black Label Society in Las Vegas, dude, and Zach was just too fucking drunk to play. So Nick Katniss fucking did the whole, did the whole set. Holy shit. That's Granted, a whole he, other thing right there. He dude. did, he did, he pretty much backed Zach on literally everything. Yeah. So it was like, it's not as weird. It's not as weird as just calling up a fucking buddy and being like, "Hey, dude, can you come down?" Like, yeah, I know you yeah. don't know all the sets, but can you come down here? Like, but but that was again. He, my drummer was upset because he wanted to see Black Label Society, but I yep, told him, like, "But you got to see something that probably no one else is going to see again." Yeah, or that hate breed one where Jamie had to go to his grandmother's funeral during Warp Tour, so they had yeah. a different singer from each band come and do. Um, yeah, like do like a song or something. Yeah, yeah. I I don't remember who did what. I had it's written down somewhere, but they all got tattoos that said we were the singer of hate breed for <laughs> however like by the yes. minutes and seconds. Like, oh it was the my whole god, thing. dude, that's awesome! And Jamie still, <laughs> the next year, they did a makeup show just for that New Jersey date because he felt bad. It's just like, dude, you you get to see something nobody's ever going to see again, and you still get to see the thing that you meant to see a year later. That's cool. Right, right. Oh shit, uh, we got four minutes, so I better get to number five. My number five, I'm going No Stars Over Bethlehem. Opener off Kazai. It just comes in. And on the new version, there's that little piano intro thing. Well, that that piano... Okay, so let me interrupt you really quick. That piano version is actually on the album, but you have to literally at 00 colon 00. Oh, okay. You have to reverse on your record player to minus 30. Remember when that was a thing? Okay, interesting. Shit, dude. 
the more of course you it is. know. Yeah, no kidding. Imagine you guys know what to imagine. But great way to start it. This is, if I'm not mistaken, this song is. It's not from any one of their perspective. It's just kind of setting the stage, so to speak, right? Uh, it is. No, it's it's uh, the first of the priest songs. Ah, okay. And Either I don't way, mean Judas. It's sick, man. Fuck it. A lot cooler if you did. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a great way to set the stage for the whole story, the album. It's just got a sick melody, and it has like that fade in the 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 fade in scream. Yeah, yeah, like. It's awesome, man. It's a great way to start an awesome album. How many mm-hmm. songs is it? Is it 11 uh, or 12? It is 10. Oh, it's 10. Okay. Because there's three from each perspective and then the final song. Right. Okay. That's probably what I was thinking of. But yeah, man, just awesome way to fucking start an awesome album. What is your number four, Alex? The End of Heartache. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Sequoia <laughs> Throne. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, Jason, you mentioned this in honorable mentions, but holy fuck, this is like such a great song. Um, It's essentially about like death and God and space travel. And if we do make it to the stars, the stars will people still believe in gods and goddesses and all this other shit. And like a lot of the diehard fans perceive this to be like their holy grail. This is like their inner Sandman. Um, But this is the one. Yeah, huh. this is like this is like their biggest song essentially. Like hmm. this is like the pinnacle for protest, and yeah, I can understand that. It is arguably one of, if not the best song on Fortress, which is why it's the one song from Fortress I picked on this. And it's so much so that they reference it in the uh, the song "Animal Bones" on Volition, and that song is about how. Uh, the fans have always had like these super high expectations, which is why they always get more technical, gnarlier, even higher pitch singing, like crazier lyrics. And that Animal Bone song is about that. And so much so when they reference the line, um, we are still life in that song, it's because of this, like that it's because of this song. And it just like when it, when they go toward the end of the song, when they do the half tempo kind of arena rock, the like their Queens thing, um, when it's just a stuffing corpses, it's so fucking sick. So sick. I can't ask for much more of a rave review than that. Is this the one that has the uh, remixes? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I remember Devin Townsend doing yeah. one. I think I downloaded the MP3s when it first came out 12 years ago or whatever. I just, and the, and the video is great. It's Roddy going around killing the other band members. Yes, I recall the video being cool. I can't believe I don't remember anything off Skirtless anyways. Huh. Uh, anything else you wanted to add to that one? Uh, I can, if you haven't heard of Protest the Hero, listen to this song. There you go. <laughs> Jason, you're number four. It reminds me of the Black Dahlia Murder, and Good. it is Barry the Hatchet. Nice. I'm noticing yeah. a through line here. There's, oh God, there's like one, there's a riff where it's just like, it has like a kind of like a, like that sort of a thing that is totally like that Black Dahlia Murder style. A little bit of harmony. That was one thing I didn't really notice much in a lot of the stuff is them using the harmonies and whatnot. I mean, they do use them, but not, a, not as much as you would think with this type of band. Most of these, 
Is it just one guitar player? It's no, two. it's two. It's two. Yeah. yeah, so, like, yeah, I mean, most bands that play this style, actually, I wouldn't say most. Um, a lot of the stuff that I listen to in this style, they run tons of fucking harmonies where, it, like, it's almost like they're scared to be playing the same exact thing at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they just think, like, well, we could do so much more. We have two guitar players where sometimes it's really cool to just have that arpeggiated thing going and it's just super i mean it's more beefed up if you have two guitars playing it but Mm. but yeah there's quite a bit of harmony in this one um even on the little squealy part but mostly musically because i mean he doesn't scream the whole time it's just like right at the start mostly is where he's screaming and then at the end there's like a gang scream yeah and it kind of hits this like a kind of like a stomp you know um a little bit of a stomp rip, but it's almost like a like i'm listening to it right now it's kind of like a double lead i'm in my headphones so it's different than my car you can you can notice it more but there's definitely like a some type of a solo lead ish thing going on in each ear and it's completely different like bass player really just kind of holding it down right down the middle with the drums which I've always been a fan of. I'm a big Slayer fan. They do it all the time. So, yeah, I mean, this was just uh, one off of Keziah. It, so, I mean, what was it? I guess it was probably like last week when me and Dilo were recording. I just kind of clicked a song off of Keziah, and I noticed like the sound was just like kind of iffy. But I've been listening to the remaster, and I like that a lot more. It's definitely beefy. Um, yeah, it has a little more balls to it for sure, which, I mean, most remasters do. Not all, but most. I'm a big fan of remaster stuff solely because volume. Mm-hmm. But yeah, pretty fucking cool tune. On that note, also off Kazaya, my number four, I'm going Divinity Within. And I'm looking at the track listing right now and I'm noticing that um, it's the songs are blocked up a little different than I thought. I thought it alternated a little more, but the first three are from the perspective of the prison priest the second chunk is the guard and then the last is kazaya right before the finale so that puts things into a little more perspective um and it's also interesting to see that i'm going to have all of one chunk on my list so that's neat (laughs) divinity within i i I love the fact that it just starts with that little just this this one you know all their songs are just chock full of parts but all the parts on this one i really like um the guitar work is sweet. I like what he does with the vocals. There's a lot of interplay between the two. It's yep. just fun. Apparently, this was on NHL 07, which makes sense again. Hockey in Canada, hand yep. in hand. Or in this case, fucking stick and glove, maybe. Puck in hand. I don't know. I'm trying to make hockey jokes. It's not happening. <laughs> pucks, pucks and nets, boys. Yeah, there we go. Yes, Put her in goal. Puck in net. Keep your head up. Yep. <laughs> definitely uh, keep your head up yeah alex did you turn into a dog yes okay and now he's <laughs> no, back to sorry humor. sorry that was that was my inner dmx nice some, ah. some witchcraft he, he got out of prison and into my heart <laughs> shit nice. that might be a hashtag right there dude <laughs> oh man nothing wrong with that yep Wait, wait for the DMX episode. I'm, I'm fucking stoked <laughs> about that. Dude. Dude's metal as fuck. Really? No, dude. Friday, Jay. So now Fridays are, are hip hop Fridays on Jay's channel where he plays along to, to hip hop and it fucking works. 
And then bees uh, on Mosh Talks did a um, did an introduction to gangster rap. So it's time to bring the crossover back, man. Look forward to that. Hell yeah, fuck it. Uh, Alex, you're number three. My number three is off the latest album, Plimpy, and it is Little Snakes. Okay, I remember some stuff about this one for sure. So there is so much to unpack about this song. Yeah, one, not yeah. only is it, it has like the catchiest like verse, chorus, like m- more linear song structure, which for um, that's one of the reasons why it, it landed me on the, because I, the way I approach this top five is I essentially, if someone has never listened to protest the hero, these are the songs that I would recommend to them to unpack it. These are like, they're all encompassing songs. They're, uh, they're compressed WinRAR zip file, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a nerd computer joke for you guys. But anyway, Little Snakes is about Mount Rushmore and how it's like an embodiment of the peak American presidents, uh, but it doesn't, what it's covering up, the palimpsest of it is the slaughter of the Native American tribes in the Black Mountain area mm-hmm. uh, or the Black Hills because there was gold. And not to mention, two of the faces on Mount Rushmore owned slaves. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln uh, signed off on the biggest aboriginal Native American execution in American history. Mm-hmm. And uh, Theodore Roosevelt said, like, he's, he, he said, not... I don't think that all Native, all good Native Americans are dead, but nine out of ten are, and I wouldn't question if the tenth was. Mm-hmm. So, is it bad that I had to think of who that fourth head was? And so they <laughs> they put they put all of these people's heads on a sacred Native American um, hillside, mm-hmm. which is called the Hill of the Six Grandfathers, and now it's like this glorious national monument. And when people go up to it, they're kind of like underwhelmed by how not big it really is because it's not huge which you expect from all the pictures and everything so that's what this song's about but Mm -hmm. it also has in terms of the musicality to it it's still super technical in protest the hero standards but it's a lot more normalized like they have they have their routine dialed in but they're bringing back a lot of the standard curse the verse chorus uh song structure so it's a lot easier to listen to and it's the most catchy and it has like the most resonating message in my opinion to go yeah, along with it absolutely i think i think the structure complemented the lyrics really well especially what they were trying to convey i think everything about the song lyrically and musically was pretty about as on front street as i think you could get with this band you know yeah. what i mean yeah absolutely i like i like really like the things they highlighted on this album you know, track to track with the overall arching theme still intact. What's the what's the thing that's supposed to be the the response to Rushmore that they're still working on? I think I don't know. The crazy horse is that what it was? Okay, I I wanted I was either it was like yeah, it's it was either him or Sitting Bull, I think. But like the we're, giant, hang it, we're already we're already talking about one Canada. Let's not bring Neil Young into this. All right. Yes. <laughs> Wait for the Neil, Neil Young top five. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> I don't know that I could do top five, but... That's a rough day. Yeah, yeah. My, my grandpa would, would love to do that. Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> for the record, on this I podcast... I don't even mean that as a joke. I, I know. I was, well, I was just going to say, for the record, <laughs> Alex's grandpa is fucking awesome. 
<laughs> he's also probably my age. Yeah. Yeah, he, mid sixties, about right. Yeah. <laughs> Balls. Speaking of mid sixties, I don't know how this works, but Jason, what is your number three? Sixties <laughs> divisible by three. We can make it work. Oh, I, I, I almost said, "Is it?" Because I'm super good at math. Oh, I am too. Nah, that's that's peak just, math for me right there. Just so you know. Yeah. Uh, mine is C'est la vie. Ah, I honestly don't know why. C'est la vie. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's why. I mean, it's it's just one that caught my ear when I was listening to some stuff. Uh, I do like the runs. I like the pacing on the songs. That part's cool. I don't think there's any screaming, but oh yeah, this is the one where he, I mean, he gets into like a little bit of falsetto stuff in this one, in these weird parts, you know, and, and uh, this is, I think that the reason why I picked this one was, uh, yes, this is the one. So there's a couple spots in here where I'm starting to say like he's getting into that Freddie Mercuryism, where he's starting to switch his voice up quite a bit. It's, but not like not like screaming. I mean, it's all singing. He's just like literally changing the sound of his voice a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it's got this cool little stutter, like shit in the middle of it. That you know, for music nerds, you know, that could always hit. You know, then it slows down. It gets a little atmospheric, and that's something I really like when these guys do. Um, be honest with you, I wish they did a little bit more often. But yeah, when he's when he's in the vocals in like the little mellow part, he yeah, kind of when it gets all like jazzy. Yeah, and he sounds like James Labrie, dude. But he's again, he's changing the sound of his voice, and I guess I mean a lot of people can do that. I think when a lot of people like a lot of singers when they change it up, you know, like, and they get, you know, some singers are more varied than others. A lot of it's like a, a low singing voice and then a high singing voice. Obviously everybody has a fucking falsetto. Right. And then there's, that's, there's your range right there as far as your singing goes, but they don't. And then they have their scream voice, their yell voice, their gutturals, their tunnel vocals or whatever kind of like aggressive vocals they do. And that's where they vary it. There's not a whole lot of guys. I mean, they, a lot of singers vary it from low to high, but they don't vary the sound. Right. Yeah. Like the sound of their voice. Like they're trying, and I mean the sound of the voice where like there's, it's almost like they're seeing it as a character, like mm-hmm. a different character. There's not a lot of people that do that. Well, in, in to piggyback off that, in Roddy's case, that is why he does it is to portray a different character for the theme of the song. Right. And I think that's where, like where I say, like they've, they've got a little bit of queen in their, in their sound. Yeah. Because that to to me, that's the most prominent one that I can think of is queen. Like, you know, Freddie Mercury did that quite often. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a solid fucking song almost everything they do is a technical masterpiece. Like they're just that yeah. level of, of, it's just that level of playing. It's, it's right on par with something like Obscura or beyond creation or fuck even rings of Saturn. 
you know, and some of those other really technical bands, uh, you know, Archspire comes to mind. They're really, really technical and they're super fucking good at it. That's all for that. What is Delos number three? So this is where it got a little tricky for me because my two and three can be really interchangeable and I feel like I'm going to regret placing them the way I did afterwards and I probably definitely will. But they're pretty interchangeable, so screw it. I'm going with it. My number three, off Kazaya again. Blindfolds aside. Uh Fucking, yep. The melody, the dramatic overtones, man. Just the way it ends. The part before it ends. It's really good live. I like the video. That's it's a neat concept. It's arguably the most reflective of what the song's about out about all their videos, yep. I think. Yep. That I that I've seen. I, there's a number I haven't seen too, so who knows? But it's just fucking epic, man. And I feel like maybe that part towards the end might be the pinnacle of his vocals on this album. Like like gets fucking up there, man. Like like it's just really good. And again, that's why it was such a struggle between this and, and my number two. I, oh, acoustic uh, part at the end? That too, but I just mean, because they right don't do that. that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. I But the acoustic part's sick too, because they don't do the acoustic part live, uh, at least not the times we've seen them. I like the, the trademark Canadian stabs at the start of it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a whole whole bunch going on in this one, man, and it's awesome. Um, again, parts on parts and all the parts are awesome. Fucking, I can't really go too much further without saying why it was harder to choose between this and my number (laughs) two without saying what my number two is. So on that note, Alex, your number two. Well, my number two is also off Kaziah and, uh, for the longest time, this was my number one, but after much reflection and after volition, it was knocked down. So I have turned soonest to the sea. I knew that two. was coming. Yeah. You've always talked about how much you like this one and, and the meaning and behind it and whatnot. It is, uh, it is the only song on the album that is not directly from the perspective of the priest, the prison guard, or Kaziah. It's mm-hmm. part of the Kaziah arc, but it is... Um, because the lyrics are fucking awful and disgusting, but it's from the perspective of the male chauvinistic society toward Keziah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's about how the song itself is about how women are encouraged like more and more to be more sexually charged and uh, like sexually gratified at a younger and younger age. So when they do finally start to act like that, society treats them like whores and sluts when they do. Yeah. And, uh, but the soup, the opening riff is this fucking awesome little weedly weedly thing. It has uh, some of the best gang vocals in Protest the Hero. Mm-hmm. It it is just like the riffs in it, his vocal style, uh, the structure of it, everything about it is so good. How it goes from like this really cool weedly weedly stuff to like this kind of Queen arena rock finish it is an awesome storytelling progression of a song absolutely and yeah it is 
just a fucking banger. Yeah. So I knew that was coming. I just wasn't sure where. So that's what she yep. said. Right. Yeah. I had to. I'm sorry. It was right there. Yeah. 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 Dave, but, that's what the song's about. Man. I know. I was just going to say, there's a lot of bad timing on my part. Fucking hell. Speaking of bad timing, Jason, you're number two. Missed. Ooh. This Newfoundland. I don't know what that means, but I like, again, it's just. One of the scalar runs I like at the like at the start, probably a lot of the reasons these some of these songs stood out to me, you know, because I don't, I mean, I don't have any real history or cool stories with the songs, but it's the guitar sound. This is one where the the guitar sounds different. That guitar in the background, super propagandi song. They got the guitar in the background, and then they have the big chords on the right ear, which is like in a not super long but they do get a little more cordy and maybe that's why i've never heard propaganda but maybe that's why they get it, it does seem a little more cordy and kind of that you know the punky ish style like the big open chord and stuff like during the verse and whatnot is and whatnot a canadian thing uh maybe i, I heard something that's about a good that question i could they say that. and whatnot a lot hmm. that's probably why i'm saying it we're deep into Canada month. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> actually, we're Canada. finishing up. We're finishing up Canada month, right? Yep. 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 Yeah. I, we already pretty much have all the bands for next time slotted. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. And way more for another time as well. So, but yeah, this will this will be the finale for right now. Like about like three three and a half minutes in, it gets real airy. It's real big sounding, and and I mean the drums are still just romping underneath it, and you still have the fucking like up, up above it but that one's you know drops back in the mix a little bit more has a little bit of fucking reverb on it like a more traditional sound on the guitar or more traditional mix i guess um and you can hear the chords really well but then i like that it also and i don't know if they do this a lot maybe they do but it kind of just ends and goes into this really cool interlude that's not its own track. Like one of those. And it sounds yeah. like piano and like a little bit of acoustic guitar. Uh, that goes on for a minute and a half or so. There's like little violins, like some strings at the start. Mm-hmm. Then a piano comes in and a little bit of acoustic guitar comes in. And it's really cool. I like the fact that they put it on this track. Now, okay, if I'm making a mix CD, that sucks. Right, yeah, yeah, I yeah. fucking hate that. Because uh, now I got to get a wave editor and I got to go in and I got to chop it up. But yeah, I feel that. You know, because you might not want to hear the, that interlude every single fucking time. Mm-hmm. But the song ends, it, it fucking fades out. And there's like a second and a half of fucking silence before like the violins start playing. So I like it in the sense of for an album sequencing, if I'm listening to it front to back, like I don't really, or as Dilo would say, back to front, I don't really fucking care where the you know, where all the tracks, I'm listening to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not fully silence. Yeah. So it does go fully silence. It ends with the big hanger and that kind of fades as these strings start going, then those strings actually stop and then it starts up again. So I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like, it's part of the song, but it isn't, you know, like if they played it live, they would just end it on that last part, but I don't know. 
Maybe that's maybe that's just then, how they ended the fucking song. I guess. And then they would probably just have the acoustic piano violin stuff playing overhead while they tune. Or right. Exactly. Cars. Yeah. Yeah. And again, normally I like that sort of thing as a separate track. But I mean, it also is weird because, you know, then you end up with like, you know, 25 tracks on your fucking album. Yeah. But yeah, if I'm listening to songs, I, li- I prefer it that way. If I'm listening to an album, though, which it seems like just listening to Alex talk about, it, I mean, it seems like these guys are very album oriented. So mm-hmm. I can see why they chose to do that. And it's it's a really cool piece because that's the other thing. Alex was not wrong. They do. I don't know if they do it the best, but they do it really, really good those little piano interludes and acoustic interludes and stuff sound they're really good at that sort of thing really cool yeah that song is about how much they love uh new finland and if we have any listeners from new finland hit us up i'd I'd be curious man i only know so much about there i know they hate being called newfies so i will not call them (laughs) that's a weird thing to know but i I can imagine it wouldn't take much to know that so yeah yeah, and they say bye a lot Yes, yes, they do. Which is why Rowdy says it in the song. Yes, I'd be a Newfoundlander by. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> For the rest of the world, oh, that's, that's boy. That's just their local pronunciation. Oh, I thought, okay, so I was going to say, like, is that like how people here say bye? Uh, no, that's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's boy. It's just is how they, they pronounce oh, like, dude. it. Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's like us ah, saying dude. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. It's. <laughs> New Newfoundland folk are a unique right. sort. Um, and God oh, bless take them my for leg, it. Bye. Yeah, it's like the family oh, kind of skit. Yeah. Dude, welcome to the Canada list. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get deeper eventually. Just, oh, yeah, <laughs> the the propaganda episode will easily be the most Canadian episode of them all, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even though there's an American in the band now, because well, it's it's got to talk hockey. Yep, yep, yep. Talk about the troops. Yeah. Oh man, I can't wait for that one. I'm already Um, ready for that. So. (laughs) Yeah, the 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 first song Jason has to hear by Propagandi officially has to be Dear Coach's Corner. Yeah. For so many reasons. Wow, dude, fuck Don Cherry. Uh, I'll just say it right here. Fuck Don Cherry. It's all I've never liked the guy, but then after that last shit where he got fired, he's a fucking he's a fucking dinosaur, and he's a Mm -hmm. piece of shit dinosaur. Yeah. Yep. Well, you'll like the song even more now. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Yep. D-Lo, number two. Number two. So this is where I was having trouble, man. It was either was it was between blindfolds aside, or heretics and killers. Yeah. The fucking Wizard of Oz song. <laughs> yeah. I love it, dude. It's it's got a, it, uh, again parts on parts on parts, man. The way they interweave the growling with the singing. The little melodic breaks in between all the the little bits, the which the, oh, by the way the arpeggios at the end that are overlaid. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that was the thing I was gonna say. It's taken me fourteen years to realize, maybe not realize, but maybe remember that 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 um that part at the beginning, the yeah. is at the end with the uh, leads over it. God damn it! Hold on. I thought we were gonna get away with this, but oh well. Powering through, but yeah, man, it's just like it's a fun song live, which is always good criteria for why a song should be on the list. And I especially love that they have the the Queen of, uh, excuse me, no, the Wizard of Oz. How about a little fire scarecrow played yep. right before, right before they play it live? If you've never seen the video, 
it's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so the, do, you, do you know what the premise for the video is? Oh, man. So the premise for the video is after the Wicked Witch was killed, it's what happens to the monkeys. So they're just like unemployed, like flying monkeys. Nice. One of them's a waiter and it's nodding while it's taking the order. Like, yep, yep, got it. And you look at the notepad and it's just scribbles. Yeah. Oh my There's God. There's some guy dude. sitting across the desk from him just like, I'm sorry, sir. We, you're overqualified. We just need a regular monkey. Yeah. And we're not going to be able to take yeah. you on. It so, sorry, sorry, man. Corporate cutbacks. Got to let yeah. you go. So so it's all the dudes in the bands are the flying monkeys. Yeah. And so it's like after a day of like, oh, we're looking for work and it sucks, they all get into the rehearsal spot. Everything up to that point, black and white. And uh, once they start playing, it's in color. And they just start shredding in monkey outfits and it's fucking sick. And they, they have like the... They have like the flying harnesses on, so they're being like lifted up off the ground and shit. It's so dumb, oh, but so great. If it wasn't for my number one, that would be my favorite fucking video, dude, of theirs. Like, but it's still pretty sweet. Oh man, I'm tearing up just thinking about it, crying, <laughs> laughing to myself. Oh, heretics and killers, go check it out. Yep. And now it's, it's time, time for number. One. 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 Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I mean, it is Sunday, actually. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. On that note, Alex, it is time. Moment of truth. What's your number one? Oh, so, like I said before, it was Turn Soonest to the Sea, but ever since Volition came out, if I'm ever in the mood to listen to Protest the Hero, it is always this song. And typically I have to listen to it like three times before moving on to the next song. Drumhead Trial. The mm. second song off Volition. Tis a good it, one. It is, I would say it has Chris Adler's finest drumming in any band he's ever been in. It has this awesome... uh this um, in the middle of the song, it has this awesome exchange of Roddy. He did this in one take of going from his high screams to his low growls. He does a back and forth on that. And then it goes into a trade-off guitar solo between Luke Hoskin and Mr. Fucking Water Tower guy, who is also in Blotted Science, did some writing for Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, Ron Tarzombe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's the song he's on. And then it leads into, in my opinion, the greatest male-female duet in metal history, which is between Roddy and the singer named Kayla Howran, who Arif went on to join her like country band after this record. And it ends on them doing this amazing fucking duet. So like everything about this song is literally peak protest, where it's like, the content of the song because uh the the name of the song itself is in reference to a star trek next generation episode and the meaning of a the drumhead trial is in uh the 19th century um say there was subordination on like a battlefield you would have these like court martial like kind of trials just to keep people in line it was like the the officer in charge was judge jury and executioner essentially so like if you have these trial and they use like a drum head to keep all the paperwork on and 
it's the song itself is about how shitty the music industry is and them uh, getting rid of their record label. This because Volition is when they did their crowdsourcing and whatnot. And mm -hmm. whenever they would approach their label with uh, album ideas and song ideas and whatnot, the album would be like, Meh, well, it's not really sellable herpeter. And it's kind of like just this drumhead trial of like, there's no real jury or there's no real arbitration about it. It's just the record label willy nilly saying, trying to control aspects of their writing. And so like the song, the song's lyrical content, it just kind of speaks to that. And it has their, like, the best drumming that's ever been on a protest song. Chris Adler just went fucking ham. It's got their greatest riffs, the coolest guitar solo from them, the best, in my opinion, the best duet in metal history for male and female vocalists. It's in fucking sane. Sums it up pretty well. <laughs> Again, my second favorite album of theirs. Pretty close, actually. Fucking A. Jason, your number one. My number one is Blood Meat. Ooh. It's there also their most played song on Spotify. Uh, yes. Did not realize that because they're all out of order. Yeah, I, <laughs> I saw like, that. Wow. I was like, this cannot be fucking right. When I, yeah, when I was, you know, when I per first put on on Spotify, I was like, wow, like these don't have that many plays. Because, but I mean, I kind of figured because it was like it puts it's doing a weird thing where it's putting like the newest shit first on the Some popular thing yeah. like it seems like a lot of them have been doing that and she's like that's just dumb if you know we don't need a section for that like you have mm. a section for that it's called the chronological order discography but no i just said when i heard blood meat i just thought like this is the hardest one that they have but it's got the fucking canadian stabs at the start of it like a lot yes yeah more important than just stabs dis dissonant stabs and uh you know it's, it starts and then it has the you know and um some nice some nice drum rolls big scream to start it off then the cleans which whatever <laughs> but it gets very, very, like I said, the last one was airy. Dude, it gets really airy on, I guess this is the chorus? Like right about a minute in? Uh, and I love the yeah. melody line, dude. Like this mm -hmm. is one where it's like, I couldn't care less what the dude sounded like. He's singing it perfect. The melody line is just that good. Goes back into a little bit of fucking chaos. But I like this, this, um, everything drops out. There's a little legato fucking guitar part. I've always been a fan of that kind of stuff. But then it, comes in it's i wouldn't say it's genty but it's definitely staccato mm -hmm. you know it's dun, 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 but it's not the it's not the dissonant one it's just a with the little like up above it then it goes to the discordant thing again and it kind of trades off on that like a i think two or three times before it goes back into and then it goes right back into the fucking verse part where it's more of a kind of a standard, almost like a thrashy beat. But man, there's a lot of little uh, guitar fills in here that I love. There's a lot of core, like this song. I think this is probably the one out of the ones that I heard. This is probably the one that has the most, uh, the most uh, chordy, like it's the most chord driven song. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about it is, 
they use that to they still do the arpeggiated little lead runs but they're in between the chord parts and it or, or over top of it one of the two and it's fucking really fucking cool man like i probably i think i listened to this one probably like five or six times in a row you know and it has another big airy part um but i don't think it's the same as the chorus no it does like that that queen arena rock yeah when it does like that really loud snare hit and then it like jumps into it yeah 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 that part you know and then there's some screaming at the end but then it has this fucking rip that's just like fucking that fucking crushing groove breakdown dude it's so good you know, again, it's one of those situations where it's like, man, I wish they did this more. But then it's like, well, fuck. I mean, lots of bands do that more often. Like, the reason it's such a big deal when they do it is because they don't do it that often. Exactly. You know, so, I mean, to, there's only like one or two things that they do very often. So, I mean, really, I guess I, I would say probably like instead of saying, oh, I wish I did this thing. I wish they did this or this more often. I, I guess I would say more like I wish they... Uh, changed it up a little just changed it up in general from the arpeggiated riffs a little more often but not like oh like you know let's get a little more chunk in there or let's get a little more you know breakdown groove piece in there because that's not necessarily what would work for him because that would kind of just put him in the realm of everybody else right yeah and i've noticed that for all the songs that you picked in your top five they're all the ones that break away from that mold. Like, especially with mist where it's very much their skate punk, uh, skate punk influenced song. And this one being their more groovy, uh, rhythm based one. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I, again, it's probably because those are the ones that stand out a little bit more (laughs) and they kind of like their ear popping a little bit, I guess. But yeah, Blood Meat is fucking awesome. And it's about, obviously, Genghis Khan and his raping and killing of thousands and thousands of women and children. And yeah, it's a brutal song on multiple levels. Hefty. On that note. Dave. Yeah. Close it out. Number one. David, David. The only one that's not on Kaziah. Fucking. Actually, now I want to see if Alex can guess what it is. Let's go. Uh, If it's, it's. Is it going to be, um, oh, God. Oh, God, what the fuck's the name of the song? Holy shit. Uh, it's going to be off Volition, and yes. I can't remember the name of it. Um, God damn it. Hang on. Give me a second. Okay. I think we were talking about it earlier, too. Yes, we were. We've been talking yeah. about it a lot. Yes, it's um, the one with the, the puppet video. Fuck, what's it oh, called? Oh, no, no, not that one. No, no, no. Oh, it's yeah. not. Honorable, honorable mention to that. Oh. Um, then is it is it going to be clarity? Yes. Oh, all right. Yeah. So yeah, man, I loved Kazaya. I liked Fortress, and I liked Skirilis. I thought it was just going to kind of taper off there, which is kind of a recurring theme with a lot of bands we've been talking about on and off air between segments. Um, and then all of a sudden, hey, you know the story. Yeah, they fucked off the record label. They, they started a crowdfunding campaign. They raised enough money, and Lamb of God wasn't doing anything at the time because Randy was still in, in Czechoslovakia with that whole ordeal. So he needed Chris Adler needed something to do to fill uh, that time. Uh, sorry to 
interject, but it's not Czechoslovakia. It's uh, or sorry, Czech yeah. Republic. Sorry. Yeah, it's I, uh, <laughs> 80s brain there for a sec. That was weird. Um, but yeah, so so he was like he was taking session work for some money, and they were like, "Hey, man, we just raised a fuck ton of money for uh, crowdfunding." So all this was interesting. It already had my attention. And then when I heard the first, what I recall being the first thing I heard, you know, final product, I was like, oh, go on. Yeah. (laughs) The chord progressions, the sense of melody, like that was just like, this was a whole new level for me with this. And then when I find out what the fucking song's about and I see the video afterwards, I was like, oh, this is like a perfect marriage of everything. Great live song. If I haven't made that abundantly clear with any of my selections. Complete package, man. It's great. It's just a fun-ass song. This this might be a good introductory song along with all the other ones you've mentioned, dude. And the the thing is, like, the only reason, like, I purposely tried to pick my top fives, but, like, this one was really hard not to put in there because, like... This is sets the record for that that whole like self-made um self-release do it all crowdfunded do it all our, on our own like yeah. that that song sets the record for the rest of the album it's just like this is how they're starting it where do they go from there mm-hmm. and then it hits you with fucking drumhead trial and you're just like holy fuck yeah man <laughs> Like when I revisited this, I was like, oh yeah, I like this almost as much as Kazaya. How about that? I, and you know, what's great about that whole thing too, is they re- released the album on their own terms and they still got it picked up by vagrant after the yep. fact. So yep. now there's two versions. I don't think the track listings any different. I don't think there's any bonus tracks, but it's just got more distribution. Yep. I don't know how the digital works either, but you got the one the original version from the crowdfunding has the one cover. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the one that's on all the, uh, services the, like the the bird with like the monocle thing yeah. or whatever yeah yeah are you believe the least wild piece of art of theirs right and then you have the alternate cover that's this weird like birds folding onto themselves thing which yeah i guess goes with the, the theme i i kind of like it when they have our album artwork that doesn't have a logo or any writing on it you know what i mean i like i like just the image thing going on um but yeah, man, like what a fucking feat. Good on them. And to make that their kind of declaration of intent right there with that song was was powerful. Yep. And to hear, because yeah, Moe's a great drummer. And it's awesome that him and Arif came back for the 10th anniversary of um, of Kazaya when they did that anniversary tour. But like Chris Adler, hearing Chris Adler out of the context of Lamb of God was cool as fuck. Yeah. As we've heard several times since. But I I think Mike is the best fit for the band. Oh, for point. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's he's like that perfect blend of like because he can play all of Mo shit, he can play all of Chris Adler shit. But mm-hmm. his own style, obviously coming from the Kindred today, I got the plague. Mm-hmm. He has that more prog metal in the pocket rather than having like skate punk or like straight up new england metal like he's got like the more like prog metal mind like jazz oriented drumming which yeah. fits this band fucking perfect oh, so yeah. absolutely man uh and then as we like to close out every time jason may i ask you to please read off the top 10 songs on spotify for protest the hero please 
No. Okay. <laughs> That's been all, folks. See you next time. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Super Sunday. Uh, so let's see. Number 10 would actually be Gift Horse, which is a new one. I think mm-hmm. probably not, 10 and 9 will be two new ones. Gift Horse. Gift Horse. Like, and Gift the Horse Dueling, is the B-side from the new album. And the Dueling Cav- Cavalier. Yeah. Um, they're both over 100,000. Uh, let's see. The next one would be The Fireside. Okay, that's the one from about uh, the Palpatine the, album. Yeah, that's the one about Pampering. FDR. So that was eight. So seven would be The Migrant Mother, 432,000. The Dust Bowl song. Mm-hmm. And number, how about we do this? Next would be uh, yeah. All Hands off the Palpatine album. Uh, let's see. So that puts the next one from the sky. And this is, this album came out this year, right? Yeah, yeah. not like right? I mean, a few months I'm ago. Su- yeah, I'm surprised yeah. that these are so high views. Although I do know, you know, yeah, a lot of people, a lot more people are using Spotify now, and uh, mm-hmm. so makes sense. Thanks, Joe Rogan. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything other than he's being censored or some shit. But no, he's he's exclusively on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, he's exclusively on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's why I made the joke. Yeah. He he, he signed some millions of millions of. Millions I just thought he I just thought he thing. decided to put his shit there. I did not know he was exclusive on there. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, let's see. The next one is the canary, or if you look at it the right way, the cannery. Bye. <laughs> Bye. That has eight hundred thousand. The top three would be No Stars Over Bethlehem, with just over a million, and that is the only thing. So it's kind of yeah. cool. It shows you the little album covers. Yeah, it's yeah. like It's definitely dominated by that uh, palimpsest. Mm. And number two is Sequoia Throne, and number one is Blood Meat, as I said before. Blocking Sequoia out. Throne's about three point six mil. Blood Meat's four point five mil. Not too shabby. Fucking I. Oh, uh, to top off for Sequoia Throne, at the very end, there's a quote, and it says, so you want to see the galaxy? That is a uh, sample from uh, Starship Troopers. Nice. I don't remember the so last they time also, I've seen that. This is a pretty interesting thing here. 203,394 monthly listeners, 150,193, 151,193 followers. You know what that's, that tells me? Because also they show these little grid lines of like, you know, like basically it shows you how many plays each song has. So you don't, you're not just stuck on the top 10. You can literally go to every single song and see how many plays it has. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't, I don't know if you've ever noticed that on their duo, but I guess I have on the newest album, the small, the, the one that's been played the least is Hillside, which is the inter, a 42nd interlude and it has 181,000 plays. So everything mm-hmm. on the new album has like over 200,000 plays. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at some of these other albums. For the most part, dude, like basically what you got. So their top 10 is pretty messed up, dude. I have no doubt. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, okay, so Clarity is at 4.2 million plays. Mm. Drumhead mm. Trials, 1.8. Tilting think, Against Windmills, 1.3. I think their top 10 is, is mainly factoring recent plays. Right. Mm. It has to be because, I mean, Mist is like 2.2. I mean, I mean, all of this stuff off of Volition has like just millions of fucking plays. Every single song. Goddamn right it does. 
Hair Trigger has Hair Trigger has 1.5. Say La Vie has 2.6. Everything else is in the you know hundreds of thousands. But I mean, even like the Dissentients, 1.5. Bone Marrow, 1 million. I mean, Palms Red, 1.4. So yeah, the, that top 10 isn't accurate. I, I was just looking because I, I started noticing something when you find, so they, they seem to have quite a few monthly listeners uh, for, for this style of music. It basically tells me when you have like that few of plays, as far as in the top 10, it usually says that people are listening to everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're listening to all of this stuff. That's why it's not just predominantly one to one to five songs they're listening to fucking everything so now i'm kind of curious to go back through some of the bands that we've done like shit like judas priest and see what their like total fucking plays like on individual songs but yeah i mean these are all i mean everything on kazaya remaster is over a million hmm. so there goes our whole idea of reading the top 10 i guess so <laughs> to be reevaluated. i guess we just go through and well, see what the actual biggest me. ones are i guess that's just ruined no yeah. um yeah no anti-climax yeah. oh yeah dude, totally it's like, <laughs> wait what the fuck you just fucked our whole deal yep 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 Assholes. good times <laughs> oh spotify so that's been our episode folks an acquired taste but if you find that it really works for you you're gonna love it last i checked our part time now so I don't really know what that means. I, I haven't paid attention to their touring much to see how much that's altered. Um, I would like to see them again. It, it means COVID. Well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, even <laughs> even up to that point, like, like you know, in the, the, the last seven years that we hadn't seen them, I'd just be curious to know what changed in their touring schedule because tons of bands have gone part-time now, but that means something different part, you know, band to band. So right. I'd just be curious to see what that means in their case. Dude, they, money. Yeah, they're doing it on their own terms fucking awesome by their money, own money and volition uh, 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 uh. well done by man. their own palimpsest <laughs> yep, yep, yep. They, when uh, in rome yeah um, roadie's been streaming i've only seen a little of it but it looks cool you see that's like what i was gonna say it's not just covid it's it's also it's not just money it's well it is money it's you don't have to tour as much as you used to Mm-hmm. Well, also, Brody has a kid now, too. Uh, somebody but else you, in the yeah. band But you too. used to have to tour so that you could get seen. Now, you don't have to tour to get seen. You can use social media to be seen without ever leaving your own house, for fuck's sakes. Yeah. It's a different ballgame. Sh- that changes the whole game, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, now more tours make more sense because everybody has to get a little bit smarter. Mm-hmm. You know, you're competing for fucking dollars, you know, and it's like, if you could fucking do something on YouTube or you could sell a fucking live stream concert, you know, 15 bucks a ticket, but you, but like literally people from world all around the world could fucking pay for that. Yeah. Did either of you it, see any of the, I mean, money stream? is money. You like what? the behemoth stream they did, uh, what, two weeks ago? No, I haven't um, watched any of them. Like, um, I'm. I just so happens that I'm starting to see them after the fact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I miss. I miss the Devin Townsend one, dude. Oh, so I think he said he's going to release that on something because they shot it in 4K, and it's like, why would we not, you know, do something more with that? But like, dude, I can see why there's a price of admission. This was not just what's stream in our rehearsal room like there was multiple camera angles it right you can cheap. get really no. cool with it you can get really cool with it and here's the thing if you 
want to sink a little bit of money into that like you would sinking money into a fucking banda tour mm-hmm. or hotel rooms or food you, dude some of this software is just it it's literally like fucking you know concerts movies videos for dummies mm-hmm. like they have preset templates in there man like bands bands will always tour yeah they will always tour it's just it's gonna make more sense now you'll see more regional tours you'll see shorter tours but maybe a little more often yeah but the whole we're gonna go tour for a year and a half that there's no reason to do that because the money's not there like Mm -hmm, you don't have the budget in the first place and who the fuck wants to be gone for that long yeah no kidding yeah you know what i'd be curious about is that that digital tour thing that suicide silence did i'd want i wonder how that did did you hear about that no no so the premise is like they're trying to recreate like what a tour would be like so the idea is that uh they would have dates they did like two a day for i think a couple of weeks and so the idea was you buy a ticket um it's geo blocked so you can only buy for that one area like it would be like a you know a market for a tour and so the idea is they would do one show one day for Vegas, and then later that day it would be Minneapolis. The next day it would be L.A., and then later New York or something for like two weeks or whatever. I just didn't hear about how how successful or not that actually was, you know. But it, it's just one of the many experiments people are trying right now. And that that was the only thing I'd heard like that. I just wonder how it actually did. Right. There's all kinds of stuff that. I mean, really what it's going to come down to is you're going to see how creative people want to get with the technology that we have. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, a lot of bands have in the recent years, you know, in the last five years have gone to more of a part-time thing is because, yeah, you can reach plenty of fans without having to go on tour. So now when you actually fucking go on tour to their area, you didn't have to build like, you know what I mean? Like you didn't have to run the risk of going to an area and no one fucking showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's now, like you, the... now you know, hey, does it make sense for us to go to Arkansas? Mm-hmm. Well, we have this many people fucking, all right, yeah, it makes sense. Or you know what? Maybe we don't go to Arkansas. Maybe we just play one huge fucking festival like in Ohio. Yeah. Grab everybody from that whole. Area. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what started. Then obviously, yeah, man, fucking covid hits and now you're really starting to see the different avenues and the and the creativity and i think band people are starting to find out that hey man people like us not just for our music they like us as people too Mm -hmm. i don't have to just do music stuff on twitch or youtube or whatever i think vincent just posted something about that yesterday like you Mm -hmm. know hey man like you know most of you guys don't even know me yeah did you know i love jazz music probably more than metal like I, you know so it's, it's things like that you they're finding out that they could just be themselves and still not just have fans but also entertain and make money doing it so mm-hmm. you know it just makes it fucking cooler because i i think what you'll see is bands being uh more like have more life to them they're not gonna get sick of each other you know they might not break up as often yeah you know, because they don't have you don't have to sit in a fucking bus with the motherfucker for a year. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting future we yeah. live in. I dig it. Well, at least that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that watch, note, watch your words there. Yeah, pal. yeah, yeah, yeah. On that note, <laughs> if you're a mega protest the hero fan, let us know what your favorite stuff is. If you hate them, 
let us know about that too. If you're somewhere in the middle, uh, maybe give us a shout. We love hearing you're from you. You're weird if yeah. you're in the middle. Yeah. Let us know, man. I can be found everywhere at Yes, It Is I, David. Jason can be found out a few places, but he's mostly found on our socials at Metalist Pod on Twitter and at Metalist Podcast everywhere else. Alex can be found at his apartment right now. Um, he doesn't, <laughs> he's still not doing a lot of stuff, right? Or I should say anything, right? I have a Reddit account. Go find him at Reddit. Holler at him at Reddit. He's all just living. L I V I N. Yep, yep, yep. Until then, thanks again for listening to us and joining us. Hit us up, rate, review, subscribe, and like, follow, all the good stuff, and see you next time. Eat your veggies. Fuck your prayers. See you then, folks. See you, nerds. Later.